from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's podcast episode 273 Star Joe's a real animated hero I'm your host Ryan and I'm John and I'm Grub and welcome back everyone it gentlemen it has been a while since all three of us have been on an episode I didn't even look back to see I don't know if either one of you have but March March okay (laughs) didn't even wait for it it's been no I figured John looked it up so (laughs) once again for the record I have done more talking Joe podcasts this year than I have done star Joe's (laughs) you may have done more than I've done of star Joe's (laughs) I did go through like almost a three-month period of not doing an episode so (laughs) kind of I mean it's awesome uh you guys don't know this but we're able to actually see each other uh for this episode so it's it's nice to be able to see you guys um and uh kind of i mean right before the holidays uh which is always awesome to do but i i would say this is kind of like our our gift to the listeners because we're doing another animated episode and we haven't done one of those in a little while either um and man before i mean we'll get into like catching up and everything else but i just want to say we could not have picked three more perfect episodes of of gi joe for the three of us to cover I, th- I think the line I wanted to use was one is considered a classic, one yeah. is good, and one is shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking October Guard. Well, mostly October Guard. There there was one <laughs> questionable member that shows up in the episode. Um, we're gonna be talking Cold Slither, we're gonna be talking Dusty, Cover Girl. I mean, this is all like yeah, if I could pick three episodes for the three of us to cover, these are the three to cover. They just happen to all be consecutive next to each other. So, um, so yeah, it should be a good time. But uh, John, uh, I'm going to start with you since it's been a while. Uh, how have things been going for you? I know you've wrapped up Social Hour and, you know, just tell us what's been going on for you. It has been a very challenging year in many ways. 
Uh, I think in March when we recorded, I just lost my mother. And then in the summer, my dad got very sick. And I was, I've been dealing with him pretty much since July, kind of back and forth to Louisville. Thankfully, he's doing a lot better right now. And uh, hopefully he's continued on that mend. And yeah, after five years of doing HR Social Hour, as we record this, episode 250 releases tomorrow morning. Wow. And uh, and that's 250 numbered episodes. We did 318 shows in five years. Wow. And I calculated that out to over 11,000 hours of con- or 11,000 minutes, sorry, 11,000 minutes of content, which is 186 hours. Wow. Basically eight days. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much we have done on this show. It's more than that because these these shows are much more unwieldy. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I figured I have done the production on almost 300 podcasts now in that time. So, Ryan, thank you for your yeah. mentorship uh, at the beginning. Yeah. It has been a, a crazy ride that, that I never would have expected. Uh, 249 total guests, downloads in 126 countries and 17 sponsors. Yeah, that was, I mean, absolutely it's, it's impressive. I mean, yeah. And, and to think you did, uh, more episodes that, uh, of your show than I did in not even twice the amount of time. Well, <laughs> so. di- different idea, obviously. I know, but, I know. But yeah. It was, it was, uh, like you said, more lot. hours, but yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And, and just so listeners know, no, John and I did not plan to end our shows around the same time. <laughs> so. now, listen, Ryan, you're at 273. Uh, Travis's kid is his little kid is going to graduate before this show is over. Don't don't care. It's 27 episodes. If you put out three a year, that's nine years. She's like four. Maybe she'll be in high school. Maybe she won't quite have graduated. She'll be. I am, you'll be in high school. I'm going to sincerely be trying to put out two episodes a month. So that'll get us past. Uh, it'll definitely get us into the year 2024. But uh, but yeah, that's that's the plan is to try to get two episodes out a month starting in 2023. So. We'll see. We'll see if I can keep up with that. But I just felt like 300 was a nice round number to end on. It's very fitting for Star Joe's, considering GI Joe is ending at 300, at least as far at as at least know. in one iteration. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. We don't know what's going to happen after that, but uh, I think Hasbro would be crazy if they didn't try to work something out with somebody. Uh, I mean, I still haven't heard who's picking up everything, but. Uh, you know they're going to get somebody to do something, especially with the popularity of Classified. Transformers is still popular. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to end up somewhere. I just wish that we'd hear an announcement already other than, hey, we're going to cancel Nerf guns. So that's not going to happen. But <laughs> What do you mean they're canceling Nerf guns? Did You you, you didn't see that they're canceling the G.I. Joe Nerf gun? No. Yeah. I I honestly forgot that it was even a thing. Yeah, uh, I only found out because uh, the guys that were on the show for um, the uh, after action report, they were supposed to have episode, uh, they were waiting until the Nerf gun came out so that they could have the variant cover for issue 300 for that. And then they found out that that's getting canceled, but now they're not sure because as far as if that issue will still come out with that variant cover. So that's okay, still kind of up in the air. I see. I have also received that same email, <laughs> but it's funny. You're talking about, uh, you know, John talking about, he's been on more episodes of talking Joe this year. They're talking Joe, not to plug another podcast necessarily, but they just did an oh interview with, um, I forget the guy's name, but he is, uh, he's in charge of brand. I, somebody at Hasbro, it's a big deal. And they, he specifically talks about, like, he doesn't bring, he doesn't meant, he doesn't talk about who 
the next company is. But he's like, Larry's already on 302. That's what I've heard. So, yeah. Um, so somebody yeah. has it, and they're just not and, announcing it yet. <laughs> yeah. Larry on, they had Larry on, and he was very evasive when they talked to him about that, too. Yeah. yeah. In terms of what, where he, other than everybody, it's the it's the not-so-secret secret that he's yeah. working on yeah. something and he was, somebody. They were suge- suggesting that um, it's not like January is going to hit and you're going to see new stuff. It's going to be more like four to five months under 23 before you see any yeah. new stuff. So I think you'll see an announcement sometime in January as to who's getting it. That would be my guess, too, is like, hey, new year, let's announce something. But who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah, I had heard I had heard the the comments made and rumors that went around, and it seems like it's a little bit more confirmed at this point that he's been working on stuff already. So, um, I mean, let's face it: I, as much as I think a real American hero could, for me personally, can be done at three hundred and and just let let's move on to something a little bit new with GI Joe or like a new take with it, or start fresh. Um, there, they would be crazy to not continue a real American hero and keep that fan base going. So, but, um, but yeah, we'll see. So, uh, Grub, anything new with you? Uh, I'm trying to remember when was I on last? I don't know. July. <laughs> was it really July? You guys did a Cobra uh, breakdown. Like, oh, right, right, right. I oh, think it was July. Jesus. I, no, I just July. Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> so Baltimore Comic Con happened. Yeah. Uh I was Galaxy Con Columbus uh I guess last no, two weeks. What is today? Two weeks ago. Um almost three weeks ago, which I got to see Travis. So that was good. That's uh, awesome. Because I hadn't seen him in a long time. Uh and I met the dude that owns Roma Collectibles. So that was neat. Oh yeah, Aaron. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Uh, and Baltimore was back to the big side of the convention center this year. Okay. Um, the only person that was there that would be even sort of was an old college friend of mine. He used to live across the hallway freshman year. So he finally came down for Pittsburgh and stayed with me and we went to the show. And I think it was fun watching it through his eyes because he's, he's not used to something to stuff like that. Yeah. You know, he's, he was always the, in college, we'd go toy hunting and I'm looking for star Wars and he was looking for like, you know, early Marvel legends, you know, yeah. any of the Marvel stuff. So he needs a big Spider-Man guy and just seeing, watching him get to experience all these things that, you know, he's used to small little shows. Right. Um, and not only that, but getting to meet, uh, some of these artists and creators, um, that, uh, you know, they're big deals to him. Sure. And <laughs> Tom King calling me out in front of him too. <laughs> uh, so it was funny because we walked by Tom and, and it was towards the end of one of the days and Tom goes, Eric, what are you doing? Why are you not coming by and, and, and cutting lines and coming in front and all that? I'm like, you know, I don't want to do that. And then he looks at my friend Brian and goes, see, you got a good friend here that doesn't want to be the asshole. <laughs> I was like, it's like, come on, Tom, you and I know each other for a long time. Like he, he said the same thing to me the, when I waited in line and got some stuff signed. He goes, dude, what are you doing waiting in line? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I was like, you never remember my name. So I figured I should wait in line like everybody else. And then finally, like later on, he, he said my name. I was like, okay, so you know my name now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did ask about you, John, um, and how you were doing. Um, 
And uh, I was like, what? I, I meant to ask about Chris Campbell because Chris has kind of disappeared. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't get around to it. But it was, you know, plus getting the autograph for Jody Benson for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was an interesting experience. <laughs> oh, right. Like, Never mind. Gonna... She was she was also in Columbus. <laughs> she's not going to um, hear this. So. <laughs> you know. And that's the thing that was the fun thing about GalaxyCon in Columbus is, I, you know, the reason we were there is because my wife's dad and one of her brothers lives in Columbus. Gotcha. So it was a convenient excuse to go for her and, and little man to go see her, some of her family that, that they don't, that, you know, maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. Um, so it just, the timing was perfect. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to go to the con. You go do your thing. Yeah. And it was neat seeing um, how many, artists and creators and stuff that I don't normally see in my usual, cause I'll range anywhere up from New York city down to Richmond out West towards Pittsburgh and kind of anywhere, you know, it's, it's really somewhere around that region, Philly, yeah. Jersey, you know, so that's really my range of where I tend to wander because it's all within a four hour drive effectively. Yeah. Uh, and it was neat seeing a lot of, there was a lot of interesting artists at galaxy con in artist alley that i just didn't have time i didn't bring any books with me um because there was a lot of other stuff on my plate besides the con so i just didn't have the time that i would normally have to get into any of that um so that was that was fun to see plus kevin smith was there and i finally actually met him in person and it was it was everything i could have wanted that interaction to be that's good um, I understand there's plenty of people who don't really care for him. He's a windbag, and yes, he talks a lot. But my interaction with him on a personal level was very good. Yeah, and um, it was funny because I told him how much uh, my kid loves Jay and Silent Bob's characters because he does. We watch a lot of those Kevin Smith movies with him. Yeah. He really likes in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot Iron Bob. <laughs> uh, so, or as Jane Hughes calls him, Iron Bob. Um, but it was just one of those things where, like, he he looked like he legitimately loved the fact that my little six year old, almost seven, sorry, um, you know, loves those characters. Yeah, you know, he doesn't care about what's happening in the rest of the movie. He just wants to watch those two. Yeah, but you know, it was a really good experience for me, and I'm glad I did it. Um. Hey, I got, I have no beef at all with Kevin Smith. It cracked me up when I would hear stuff about him and people would make certain comments about him. I'm like, about how he would react to things or how he would talk about things. And I'm like, that's uh, outside that's just of, him. that's just him. And I was like, and outside of, you know, the, the smoking weed or whatever like that, that's pretty much how I would react to things too. <laughs> um, you know, when people, when people were making fun of the fact that he cried when he walked on the millennium Falcon, I'm like, yeah, I would cry too. If I, I would sob. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, man. Like the way, because for some reason I just had a normal ticket. I didn't have any VIP or anything, but when I checked into the hotel, because we were staying at one of the hotels, one of the con hotels, Mm-hmm. Like, sent me an email said come pick up your fast pass thing i'm like what okay so they gave me a button that just said v, you know vip fast pass i yeah. was like all right so i got to cut in front of you know i was like fourth or fifth person to meet in that on saturday that's cool and um i just completely brain <laughs> on what i was about to say <laughs> and this, uh my god well, we- 
We're yeah. all getting old. <laughs> yeah, no, I, my brain completely derailed in the middle of that. So whatever, we'll just move on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I seriously do not remember what point I was about to try to make. I don't when know, you we were, were talking, talking about, about Kevin Smith, we were yeah. talking, talking about, about you and like and oh, oh, oh. and he got emotional. Yeah, no, no, so you're, the you're emotional. I literally was trying not to break down when meeting him. Okay. Because he seems so genuine, right? Yeah. And I, I was like, I was flustered. I mean, I was like, I was shaking a little and I managed to not choke up or anything, but just because it's fucking, sure. you could, that dude's movies have had a huge impact on my life for a very long time. Sure. Uh, and as I'm choking up thinking about it right now, and my wife loves a lot of those movies and it's something that we connect with. Now my kid is connecting and it's, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, no, I get it. It is. I totally get it, it was, it was a very emotional experience when I didn't expect it to be. I, I would imagine so, that's how I would be if I met, if I ever had the opportunity to meet George Lucas or something, you know, somebody like that that's had such a big impact on. I, I wouldn't even know what to say if George Lucas was standing in front of me. Uh, other than, I would, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much how, what I would be like too. <laughs> Hello, I like your movies. <laughs> or, or I would do what my wife does, which is, uh, we, we joke about this all the time when she meets somebody that, she, you know, will go and meet, you know, sports celebrities and things like that. And, uh, She'll be very charming and very sociable with them. And then we'll walk away and she goes, what just happened? I don't, I totally blacked out. I don't remember what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a feeling that that's what it would be like for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Cause like, I, I can say like I, when I met Hama, I don't really remember a whole lot of that. I remember giving him the shirt, the Sarjo shirt. And that's about all I remember. (laughs) Like here's a shirt. I like your stuff. Will you draw me a picture? <laughs> the, the best thing was still uh, um, with John at Mekong. The one time, me it was John, myself, Larry, Brian Shear, uh, Steve I Bird. Yeah, it was a Steve Bird. Was John Wyckoff? Yeah, bet with Bird was just blah 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 blah, and then looks up and goes, "Oh my God, it's Larry Hama." In the middle of his sentence. <laughs> and it was yeah. just one of those things where I remember looking at Shear and Shear's looking at me. And we're just like, what is going on right now? Yeah. Because I don't think Brian was doing anything with IDW at that point yet. I mean, he might have been on some of the transfers. Oh, no, he was. He was. But he wasn't on Joe at all. I don't think. He was. Yeah, he was. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Larry, doesn't, Larry doesn't remember Brian. Right. Yeah, I know. That's mean, every time they meet, they, yeah. So every time they yeah, can yeah. do anything, he forgets that. I feel like, like hey, that. Larry, Brian. Ink yeah. Shannon, yeah. I, I, I feel like he does that with everybody. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and like, uh, I mean, that's how I I feel like with a lot of the people that we know and a lot of people we've gotten to meet over the years. It's like you know, sometimes I forget, like, and you have to take that step back of like, oh, this is really cool that I know some of these people, like, just on a friendship level, because as we get to know people like Shannon and Robert and Brian and stuff, it's like. Yeah, they're just Shannon, Robert, and Brian. I don't think about them drawing these, working on the books that I absolutely love anymore. I think of them just as the guy, those guys. And then I take a step back and go, "Oh shit, yeah, I'm hanging out with these guys that I actually think are doing really cool stuff." So, um, I know Shannon's going to be working on the uh, next uh, Last Ronin. He comic. is. He's, yeah. he's already working on it. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. I, know yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen or talked to Shannon in a couple of years. So it's, yeah, and I believe yeah. I believe <laughs> the colorist I had on Stealth Hammer, Louis Delgado, is doing the coloring on that one too. I didn't so. know they were doing another Lost Ronin series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the prequel, I think. Yep. Oh, because uh, yeah. I just got the hardcover of the completed. 
Yeah. A chance to finish reading it. Yet. Yeah. Cause I believe this is how all the brothers died. Okay. Basically. And, I think. And however Casey died. Yeah. So, so wow, that's cool. It'll, it'll right. be interesting. Good on Shannon. Now, <laughs> hey, you, hey, you know, you know that they, if it sells well enough, they're going to do something else with it. So. <laughs> I mean, all I know is the last time I sent a text message to Shannon, he's like, who is this? I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this hurts. But okay. Yeah, I haven't sent him a message in a while either. I need to. No, it was, but. it was, I sent some message a couple of years uh, about, uh, how oh, it was, uh, Aaron Gray and somebody else were appearing at a con and I sent him a message about it. And I told he's like, well, who is this? I was like, Oh, it's Grub." He's like, Oh yeah, I've already got them. But thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know. I thought, I thought to him the other day, cause uh, I think it's dynamite comics is doing a Kaiman Rider comic. Common. Common. Yeah. Like ramen only with a K. Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't know. Thank you for thank you for letting me know. Trust me, though, then people will butcher you for that one. I'm sure they will. I've been butchered for many a thing. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought of him and Travis when I saw that was coming out, and I mentioned it to Travis, and he's just like, "Wait, what? What? When? When did this happen?" <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, uh, things on my end have been good. Uh, I mean. I've pretty much said a lot of things on the show. Uh, we launched the Stealth Hammer website, which was awesome. Uh, we've already sold, like, uh, not to put just dollars out there, but we've sold over $100 worth of stuff in the first couple months, which is really, really exciting considering, like, we're selling $5 books. Um, so, <laughs> like, that's the most expensive thing we're selling. It's a good um, start, man. Hey, yeah. listen, Ryan, it's like I tell everybody that we, as we've talked about this, you've sold more comics than any of us. Right. So kudos <laughs> to you, my friend. It's true. I mean, it's true. And, yeah, and you've, sold, you've sold more comics than some of the people we've seen in Artist Alleys in some places. That's true. I guarantee That's true. it. I guarantee it, too. I'm I'm still kicking myself for forgetting to take the Chrissy Zulu cover of Stealth Hammer 2 to have her sign it at, oh, uh, yeah. at Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I I totally blanked on that one. I wish I wish I had gone there because I would I'd love I've never met her in person. I'd obviously would love to be able to meet her in person now, especially having worked with her on something. So yeah, um, that was uh, with her and, and Chris who were yeah were sitting there like they both like because I got to Chris first with getting him in my Disney sketchbook and then yeah. and then uh, he was looking through it and Chrissy's looking over his shoulder and she's like I want in this book too. I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and no, then we I, ran. I, we ran. We were. We were outside the. We ran into Chrissy outside of the, uh, the convention center at one point, and we're just walking down the thing, and she. Uh, we're just walking down the walkway, and she. She. Uh, she jumps. She, I guess she had her dog, and the dog was outside using was was doing a potty break. So okay. she saw us and jumped down in front of us. Was like, "Hey guys, how you doing?" We're like, "Oh hey." <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we That's just cool. threw a whole bunch of money at you, but sure, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, like, oh, I, cool. hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm. My plan is now is that uh, 2023, I'll be returning to Baltimore. Hooray! Um, I was I was hoping it would be this year, but there was just a lot of more medical things we had to deal with. So, um, so yeah, 2023 is the plan. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping maybe show her and I mean, I know her and Chris usually go to shows together and I love both their work. So, but I'm hoping maybe she'll come back again. Cause I, like I said, I'd love to actually meet her in person and be like, thanks for working with me and stuff. So, um, but yeah, uh, 
uh, I have plans for the website. I keep, uh, we added characters to it, uh, character profiles. We're going to keep adding more character profiles. We're going to add like world, uh, a world page to it. We're going to add behind the scenes of the concept art page to it. And uh, I'm also kicking around the idea of just to help try to create a community, uh, creating like a prose uh, page where I'll do like little short stories of that take place in the same world with different characters. So it'll just be, because I was like, what can I do as a writer? Because I can't draw these characters and I don't want it to pay every time I need something drawn. So so might do something like that just to kind of help keep creating an audience. We might do another Kickstarter in 2023. Um, I'd like to avoid that as much as possible, but hey, if I need to, we will. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I've had that going on. Uh, the new job has been awesome. Uh, I love what I do now. So and I know not a lot of people get to say that. So very grateful for that. And I am uh, officially off work for the rest of the year. Uh, I, I actually looked at it today and I'm like, I have the next 12 days off. And I was like, hey, it's my own personal 12 days of Christmas. So. I have one more day and then I'm off until January 2nd, I think. Nice. I have off till I go back on the 3rd. No, 3rd, yes, 3rd. Yeah, yeah. On the 3rd. Yeah, because I get that Monday off for the and Yeah, for New Year's. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, so, uh, that's about all. Yeah. Not much else going on for me. Um, went and visited the family last weekend, which down in Columbus, which is awesome. Uh, had a, had a nice time. Uh, first time all of us got together in a while. So, um, but yeah, that's been everything. Uh, Greg, did you finally get your classified figures? The dusty Um, and all that? As I'm sitting here and playing with one of, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the baroness's rifles nice. i found i found the uh the retro card back baroness oh nice okay and i'm like yep <laughs> but no i have not got my dusty yet nor have i seen anything about shipping from bed big bad toy store but i've literally been five people that i know of like oh my dusty came in i'm like fuck all of you <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was asking i was wondering if it finally came in i us. want my dusty well it's so weird too because it's like there's been times where like Hasbro's shifted out first or target shifted out first or big bag toy store shipped out first. Like there's no rhyme or reason. It's a who's getting what, when. So and then I've also gotten like four emails about uh, the HasLab sky striker is very clearly looks like it's going to be shipping in January because okay. they're, they're pounding on about make sure your shipping address is up to date before January 12th or whatever the date is, which I could be so, wrong, but that sounds like a pretty good, turnaround time well like, less than a year yeah i mean I've, I've heard of those things lasting a lot longer so yeah now um, now they need to give me a rattler to go with it yeah now i'm also hearing uh i've heard through the grapevine too that uh hasbro's expecting that with supply chains opening up again that we might be seeing more classified figures in each wave and more frequently like they might instead of doing four you might see five in a wave and you might get more than just like four waves a year. It might be, which I would be fine if they stuck with the pacing that they're doing now. But <laughs> I just think they need to be more consistent on time frames. Yeah. Because, I mean, they have so many characters in, in the pipeline right now. Yeah. that that's, that's a good two years worth of figures. Yeah, for sure. And they need to be like, you know, okay, let's see. Uh, Dusty Shipping, Crimson Guard. Shipping, Zorana. Zorana shipping, 
but I haven't seen, I mean, other than like the odd figure on the shelf here or there, like I think I finally saw a Crocmaster on the shelves. Yes, yeah, apparently if you live in Canada, it's just like it's like rain and Joe in Canada <laughs> at Toys R Us. It's like good yeah. lord. Yeah, um, that's what I saw too. Yeah, that photo that Longman shared and, and other things yeah. I've seen. I'm like, what the fuck is going on in Canada? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they get to keep yeah. Toys R Us. They get to keep all the toys too. I guess. Oh, but. that reminds me. We had um, we were up. In, we went to go see Transylvania Orchestra on Sunday, but the show yeah. was in Philly. So the night before we went up to Hershey to do uh sweet lights up at Hershey and went to chocolate world and all that. But we were killing time on Sunday morning before the, before we needed to be in, in Philly. So we went to the King of Prussia mall and we're just wandering around, which man, that is one. You better have some money if you're in that mall. It's a crazy mall. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, like, and, um, there's so we're wandering around and I look over and they're oh look it's Macy's and then gigantic Toys R Us display. Yep. And I almost like wet myself. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we gotta go over there right now. My wife's like, what? I'm like, right now, we gotta go. <laughs> we walk over there and they have these little uh I mean it's just Toys R Us branding and there was a little bench that had Jeffrey the draft that you could sit on it next yeah. to Jeffrey, but they had Christmas Jeffreys. These little oh, nice. like 15 or 16 inch tall Jeffy the drafts with a, with a Santa hat on and like the coat. And yeah. I'm like, all right, that's coming home. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's currently downstairs with the rest of my Christmas stuff animals. Nice. Yeah. But, that's a good get. Uh, I was so happy to see that brand. I mean, yeah. Well, I, it's not, I, it's not just a nostalgia grew up going to Toys R Us. I worked for them for five years. Yeah. So I literally left Toys R Us to be at the job where I am now. Okay. So it's, um, so I have a lot of I have there. a lot of not just childhood memories, but adult good times. Yeah, uh, as part that. of that, I get that. So, yeah, the one I was uh, going back to the classified stuff. The the one I was shocked at that came out, I thought came out pretty quick, was the Serpentor one. Yes, I was shocked as shit when you're like, "Oh, it's shipping." I'm like, "Didn't it just go for order?" Right. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, "Wait, didn't this just get ordered?" <laughs> yeah. So he's currently sitting on the floor over here. Nice. I still haven't um, opened it, but <laughs> I need to. He, the Undertaker's on top of him right now. So <laughs> some seems, appro- seems appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's the the, the superstars, oh, whatever nice. this one is. I, yeah. I was like, I don't fucking care. It's old school Undertaker. I love That's that. Cool. That's cool. So yeah, one of the things I'm one of the things I'm going to be doing is uh, uh, over the break is I'm going to be setting up my cabinets. My de- I have three Detoff cabinets. Two of them are assembled. I need to get the third one assembled, and one is going to be all Star Wars. One's going to be all GI Joe, and then the other one is going to uh, right now what I'm figuring is going to be like a Marvel one. So, um, but it's it's a matter of getting it all situated, figuring out what I have that's going to go in there. And then, uh, and then I eventually want to get another one for Turtles and uh, Masters of the Universe. Kind of put those both into one. But I did. I know get, what you can uh, do with the Master stuff. Let's see. <laughs> you can just take it right to the dumpster. <laughs> I like it. I like the stuff. <laughs> I don't um, get it. <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, you don't need to. But yeah. uh, no, the the play, the attorney of play set or whatever's coming out looks cool, but. Yeah, I don't even remember that existing as a child. But. I don't remember it either. I didn't find out about that until I was an adult. That's when oh, I found yeah. out. For, for, for you, He-Man collectors, yeah. good on you. <laughs> um, 
But one of the things I got, and I don't mean to plug it, but I actually really was impressed with the stuff was I got uh, recently some figure stands from uh, Tashi Emporium. And one the person that ro- owns that and runs it is uh, one of our buddies over at Sarlacc Digest, mm-hmm. uh, Marco. And uh, yeah, I, I was like, oh, let me try out like some of these stands and uh, the Star Wars ones. And he had like, some G.I. Joe ones where it's got like the burst behind the, where he has the burst behind the figure and everything else. I'll tell you, it was awesome. Like three of the stands, it's like in uh, Imperial Hallway is what it kind of makes up. And uh, three of them fit perfectly into one of those DTOF cases. So it makes us like this awesome backdrop for it. So I have uh, one Bad Batch figure in there and uh, I plan to fit the rest of them in there once I find all of them in my basement. So, um, so it should make for a nice display. That's, isn't that coming back soon? Uh, sometime in January 4th. Okay. I think. I know my kid's excited because I think it comes back the same day as his birthday. Okay. So he just, he just wants to watch the, uh, the clones. Gotcha. John, you liked that, didn't you? Bad batch. Uh, I, you know, I, what? I never finished it because I, I don't care for the kid. Oh, the Omega. Yeah. Gotcha. Omega. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed and I kind of got lost in it or I just, I just didn't finish. Yeah. She was not nearly as irritating as I expected her to be. No, no, I just, yeah, it didn't do anything for me. I don't know. Taking, you know, I, well, I, I, I didn't, I didn't finish it, but I truly enjoyed it. And I think we talked about it collectively, the, uh, the shorts that they put out of, yeah. the, of the Jedi and Sith or for Tales of the oh, Jedi. Tales, of, Tales Jedi. of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah I thought that those was were phenomenal. That was excellent. That was yeah. some prime, prime viewing. I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. Yeah. And I think, and personally for me, I think for me, I think they got better as they kept going. Yes, like, they did. Yes, like I did. watched the first one. I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. And then like, as I went, by the time we got to the end, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were texting too. Cause like, we, we didn't want to spoil anything for each other, but at the same time, I was like, did you watch it yet? Did you watch this one? And we knew when we got, when you, like, I knew when you guys got to certain, ep- to a certain episode, because there's definitely something that happens in some of the episodes that were just like mind blowing. So uh, I thought they were very well done. Um, did either of you guys watch Andor? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, what'd you think? I think it, I know there's a lot of complaints about the slow burn of it. Uh huh. And I am okay with that. Okay. Um, I was I, not. It, <laughs> I, I, I mean, at first it did really seem kind of slow. Yeah. And I wasn't really sure. Okay, where are they going? Like, we know ultimately how this is going to end. But I, as the show went on, I mean, like some episodes were definitely better than others. Yeah. But I just really enjoyed it. Like yeah. there was a weird amount of tension and for me and I, I was, I, I don't want to say I love the show. I don't think it's the greatest Star Wars that, since Disney took over, but I think it was definitely a refreshing difference compared to all this other stuff that's come out yeah and i don't mean that as a negative it's just no no it's a different i get what you're saying kind of show yeah and andy circus killed it when he was in there yeah bringing in the one character they did from rogue one that i did not expect to come in and the capacity he did when he did shocked me yeah not i just was like whoa cool all right yeah um 
but I really enjoyed it. And I'm really curious to see with season two, even though we got to wait like 17 fucking years for it, <laughs> um, how they're going to do this thing where they do two or three episodes or three or four episode arcs. And then, then, then it jumps a year and then three or four episode arc. And then yeah. it jumps a year. And then it's supposedly supposed to end right as Rogue One begins. Yeah. So it's be interesting to see how they pull this off. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it, so I want, cause they released what the first, Two episodes together or was the first three, three, I think. First three. I think it was originally supposed to be two and they decided three. Thank God they released three because I watched them all. I almost fell asleep midway through the second episode. And and it was late when I was watching it. So I don't blame the show entirely, but I was like really struggling to watch. And and then and admittedly at the very beginning of it, I thought, okay, this is cool. And I don't, and just by the way, too, I don't need Star Wars to have lightsabers and force users for me to enjoy it. So I know some people that was one of their gripes. I'm like, that's not me. Star Star Wars, Star Joe's Star Wars covers so many different things and so many different genres. I'm, I'm, I don't need that. But when it opened and, you know, he took, he, you know, killed the guys and everything else. I was just like, I was like, okay, this, this is cool. I can see why he's like on the run now and everything. And then it just slowed down to a crawl. And, there, like you said, there's some episodes I thought were really good. Like I really liked the prison stuff. I thought those episodes were really strong, and I thought the ending was strong. Um, but almost everything else, the heist episode was really strong for me. I like I like action and I like adventure in my Star Wars. And some of those episodes, I understand why it's done. I don't I don't have a problem with it being done, other than I just don't enjoy it. But like. All the political talk, all of the strategizing, all of the whispers going on, like I that stuff bores the shit out of me. <laughs> so, that's, why, bore, that's why I don't me. that's why I don't watch Star Trek because it's a bunch of people standing around rooms talking. I don't get I don't that doesn't do anything for me. That's why that was part of the reason I didn't like the prequels as much, is because there was a lot of political stuff going on. Like I don't care. I want laser blasts and I want spaceships flying around and so um, so like I said, I, I thought it was very well done. I think it was very, very well produced. I thought the acting was very good. I think the actors they got were, were well done, you know, perfect casting. Like I said, I just, I started getting bored in certain episodes. I personally didn't think it needed to be 12 episodes. Uh, but so, so it's, it's one of the few times you'll hear me saying like, yeah, something Star Wars and mm, not. I'm I'm looking forward to the next season because I think now things will pick up, but um, especially seeing what happened in the last episode. But yeah, it wasn't what what is not top of the list for me. So, John, did you watch any of it or check? I it didn't. Out? I was going to wait till it was all out. Okay, I've heard I've heard fairly positive things, and I think yeah. to your point, so if if you like the slow burn in particular, yeah, uh, I didn't watch that. I did watch the. Uh, ILM docu series, oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah, which was excellent, fantastic, yes, wow, what a what a yeah. story, and you know we have such an appreciation for these movies, and, and I never realized just how involved some of those things were. You know, oh, when yeah. they and they and it, breaking down the breaking down a, a frame to show you the matte painting and to show you the overlay and to show you. The, Stuff was just fascinating to me, and then to say we did all this stuff with smoke and mirrors and right by hand, (laughs) and then all of a sudden in 1992 the computer 
you made a dinosaur on a computer and then it went in this whole other direction. Direction. Yeah. I, I was really I I thought it was fascinating. Light light and magic, right? Is what it yes. was called. Yeah, light and magic. For those of you that haven't watched it, you need you need to check it out. If, yeah. Which I can't imagine people listening to this show would not have seen it yet or right. at least haven't heard of it. But it was I, I that was tremendous. Like great right. storytelling and yeah. made made me appreciate Joe Johnston even more than I already did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I didn't realize just how much other stuff he had done. Yeah. Much less that, much less that George Lucas sent him to college. Yeah. Hey, go to film school, take a year, a couple of years off and go to school. And then, Oh yeah, right. you're basically your, uh, your senior thesis is honey. I shrunk the kids. That's insane. <laughs> right? That's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. It, 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 it is mind blowing. And I love all the behind the scenes stuff and the stories of like how things happened and and how things almost didn't happen and all that type of stuff so yeah it was it's a great series um i actually probably end up watching it again during the break just because i I really did enjoy it quite a bit um yeah i any like i said anything like that i'm i'm just excited to kind of see like it's like how the sausage was made basically (laughs) to piggyback on that the uh icons on earth series that the uh the toys that made us guys did yeah that was i think running on vice i think and the fact they actually got marsha lucas to sit down and talk and i think she's done like one maybe two interviews of any kind in 40 fucking years yeah and the fact they got her to sit down and talk it's the same thing is is she was it's she's been downplayed tremendously over the decades because you know, history is written by the victor. Right. Not necessarily right. The, yeah. the, she played a major, major role in the original trilogy on getting it made. And it was utterly, if you, if you can find the icons unleashed with Marsha and you really want to know a lot more of the perspectives of star Wars and the early days of Lucasfilm, watch that. Cause it's utterly fascinating. Yeah. So it's it was it's so amazing when you had these two just unbelievable docu series come out like almost yeah. the exact same time. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's one other thing yeah. I want one other thing I wanted to mention it's not related to the show but it's it's along the similar lines of of just geeky stuff. Did either of you guys get to watch the uh Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Oh yes. yes. <laughs> so fucking fantastic, man. The music was so per I mean the music uh, Sean Gunn's been really good at picking good music for those yeah. other movies. But yeah. it was just I mean the Pogues, man, the Pogues. <laughs> that that Christmas song at the beginning is yeah, just that's, like that's the Pogues. yeah, yeah, that is one of my favorite things now is that song. Um yeah, it was done so well and just and it, I think it was just a genius move to like get Kevin Bacon to be part of the story and, and get him in there and everything. I love how I said in, in introducing Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the, the one thing I still do not understand in that, in that show is why pick the go bots? Right? What, what in the, to say, Oh, they killed Drax's cousin. Yeah. What, what in the world? Like, wait a minute. That, they're they're crazy. poor cycle just getting pounded in the back. Yeah, that was that was so. They're funny. MCU like, canon now, man. Go back to so, MCU. That is canon. such a specific. That's such a specific choice and a, and a right. great choice. 
But yeah. when they, they said, oh, yeah, that's the GoBots. They killed his cut. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. What? That's got to be a Sean Gunn. It's got to be. Yeah. Or the writers or whoever were just fans of the show and thought it'd be funny to throw it in there. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I remember. I remember. I remember seeing time. people like posting stuff. Like, I guess I just saw stuff saying, I guess GoBots are MCU canon. I was like, what the hell? That because I hadn't seen the yeah. show yet. I was like, what the hell are people talking about? And then I watched the, and luckily it didn't get it spoiled for me. And I watched the show and I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, my wife and kid watched that, that thing like six or seven times in a week. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, because it's only like 30 minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's real short. Long. Yeah. But no, I but, thought it was, and I, I love the fact it was also Kira Sedgwick that was actually on the phone because it's you know she is Kevin Bacon's wife and the fact right. it actually was her. Yeah, no, it was, I thought it was pretty brilliant. brilliant. So that is one of my new favorite holiday specials. Uh, so, here's a question it. I have: since I have not seen Thor: Love and Thunder, did they purchase Nowhere from the collector in that movie? I guess i don't know i thor love and thunder is a uh big negative blur for me yeah <laughs> okay not not very disappointing yes because i was very disappointed and i was very like eager this, for it too well That's it's the thing. i just be, i'm talking specifically because of sure. the way the guardian special starts out you know they own nowhere they're in charge of the thing right and i'm I like well how i don't did, remember that happening how did yeah, this well, happen they're hardly in they're hardly in it yeah, okay. they literally they drop him off, and it is this new adventure. It was, it, yeah, I, I had such high hopes for Love and Thunder. I, did too. I, I was really hoping Beta Ray Bill was in it. Sure, me too. Nowhere to be found. No, and just very underwhelming. And yeah, I, I I've heard that he Hemsworth has come out and said, "Oh, we need to go in a different direction." Yeah, you do because yeah, it just it's kind of run its course. Yeah. So, maybe, maybe it all happens in Guardians Three when that comes out. Yeah, maybe but it was it was such a weird thing to like. Clearly, something has gone on in the background. Yeah, but we don't know what it is, and unless I miss, unless it happened in this movie, I have no idea what's going I, on. I don't think it did. No, I don't remember it did. Okay. I don't remember that happening. Like John said, it happened. They were barely in the movie, so as much as it seemed like they were going to be in it more, they yeah, it's a very disappointing movie. That's that's my bottom of the heap MCU movie at this point. So. Oh wait, James Gunn, not Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn is his that's brother. the brother. Yeah. yeah, right. That's the one I think I kept saying was the director, and I'm yeah. wrong. Yeah. No, that's, that's fine. I knew we knew who you meant. Well, I, I just want to correct myself before I get to. Hey, man, you got this wrong. Like, yeah, you yeah, yeah, For the record, if James Gunn does what he did with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker in the DC Universe movies going forward, they're going to be in great shape. Oh yeah, because my God, was Peacemaker phenomenal? I, oh, it's hilarious. Was amazing because yes. we haven't we haven't talked since we record. I don't no. think that came. Man, that. And and you told me you're like be careful because vigilante is not like he was in the comic. Right. No, he was fucking hilarious. Oh, I agree. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> when they kill that gorilla, oh my god, that's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Yeah, that was, I, that was tremendous. I love, I love that show. Now, and the thing is, I don't need all of these the DCU to be like that. No, no. But I don't think Gunn will do that. Like I think. You know, so I yeah, you, I'm very eager. But to see you what can he does. you can do that. That's you know, kind of yeah. like Deadpool. I don't yeah. want everything to be like Deadpool, right? But you could do something like and and Peacemaker, like the whole show. It made it had a nice clip. It, yeah. it made sense. It was yep. an entertaining story, and the music in that. Oh my god! Like oh, just yes. home runs all around. Yeah, home runs and, all and around. then how it and then it ending with the Justice League showing up was just <laughs> perfect. Like. <laughs> 
I might, um, get to, I might get to watch that one day. Oh, oh yes, man. I don't, have, I don't have HBO Max. So I, oh, gotcha. Well, uh, one thing that is on HBO Max, and I really wanted to ask, John, your your thoughts, because I assume you have watched it, mm-hmm. A Christmas Story Christmas. Yes. What I've did seen you think? It. All right. So uh, we've already been spoiling stuff on here. I, yeah. I posted about this on Thanksgiving, and my initial post on Facebook, uh, somebody actually said, spoilers, dude. And then gave me a, 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 a diatribe about how to behave on social media, to oh, which yes. I wish I wish them a happy Thanksgiving and be well. And then about oh, I remember that. Totally, I remember seeing that. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, listen, it, they, it was not a secret, the premise of the movie. And the right. premise of the movie is the old man passed away right before Christmas. Right. It was incredibly difficult for me to watch that movie. Sure. However, I thought it was a it was a very appropriate sweet it was good yeah it was good i I cannot watch it again this year sure i will put it into the rotation again but it part of it is the fact that they went back to the gene shepherd stuff yes right like in in flicks bar and the sign in the bar for those of you don't know on god we trust all others pay cash is the sign in the bar that is the name of the book that all the yeah. short stories, the Christmas stories based on because Flick had it. But so the fact that Flick had a bar and all like I loved all that. Yeah. And and it, I, I'm sorry that Melinda Dillon wasn't in it, but she retired 15 years ago. Sure. Other than that, I, I thought it was great. I it was fun. It, and I liked it was based in 1973. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, it seemed the kids were probably a little too hip for the room. But again, I, it didn't have to, it wasn't going to be Shakespeare because the first one, the, the original not Shakespeare, right. but it was a sweet movie. Had a nice message. Yeah, I love that Peter Billingsley has uh, accepted. Yes, his lot in life as Ralphie. Yeah, in fact, he uh, he has now got a podcast out. In the first season, it's a movie podcast. The first season's all Christmas movies. I've not heard it yet, so okay. I'm kind of curious to see what he says. Yeah, but uh, you know, he's even done a signing for Christmas Story, which he had okay. never done before. Right, right. Um, you know, he he seems to be at peace with like, Hey, this is something that's very important to a lot of people and people listen to the show. And, for and a time about, it, yeah. Right? Know how important it is to me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was a very, very fitting tribute to the first one. It was, it was fun to see all those guys back. Sure. Like these guys are, they're, they're our age, right? Or a yeah. couple, you know, they're all in their late forties, early fifties. And I, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was great. It was very, very entertaining, a fitting tribute. But I will not watch it again this year. Yeah, no, to- <laughs> totally fair, totally fair. I, that's I understand that completely. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really neat, and I mentioned this to my wife after we were done watching it, is I thought it's really neat when you really think about it how the two movies are cyclical now. Like he in the sequel, he starts writing the stories that eventually turn into the book. And then the, the original movie is the book. I mean, it's, it's the, it's basically the story that he wrote about growing up and then that's him growing up and then he becomes an adult and it all becomes, it just becomes one big circle of story, which I really love that. I I love how they did that. So, well, you know, I've never, I've never have, and I never will see a Christmas story part two because it, it has nothing to do with, the, with the stories with yeah. Gene Shepard's work. Right. And yeah, it's, as I've always said, that movie will never grace the do- dark in this door of this house. <laughs> it never will. However. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny how many people have contacted me to say, what do you think of this one? Yeah. I, I, I think people know I'm pretty serious about this. So yeah, it was, 
Yeah. I would, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you during the episode. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No. And I kind of knew, I knew where things were for you, but I I still wanted the audience to kind of hear. If it had sucked, I would have been very disappointed. Sure. Just because it had all the people in it. Yeah. Literally literally everybody other than Melinda Dillon. Yep. That, that was, uh, yeah. Everyone, everybody was in it. And that was, that was very special. That was cool. And the thing I really liked with it and, and um, I mean, people should have seen it right now, by now, but um, the thing I also liked with it, it was, it had the nods to the original without, with, with it still being its own story, its own entity. Yes. Like it wasn't just, all the member berries, like you had those, but they were kind of done in their own way. Yes. So yeah, I, I really appreciated that too. All right. You guys ready to talk some Joe episodes? Sure. Since we watched. Yo, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got some information about from something from that episode when we get there. <laughs> um, so the episodes that we had were the wrong stuff, the invaders and cold slither. Um, those are the three we're covering tonight. Uh, I watched them on Tubi, even though I have the episodes on, uh, DVD. You can, uh, you can literally watch YouTube. them on YouTube. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, yep. that's how I watched them. It was easy to find too. DVD, yeah. DVD. Yeah. And... I had the Tubi app on my phone or my, uh, on my TV. So I was like, oh, they're on, I know they're still on there. So I watched it on there, but, um, but yeah, I knew that, uh, it's on the Hasbro channel, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, they have a. They have breakdown. It, it's a yeah. GI Joe specific Hasbro channel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That just streams the cartoon twenty four seven, and then yeah. you can also search um, for individual episodes. That's awesome. All right. So the first episode is the wrong stuff. I do have my summary here. You guys jump in as usual whenever you want to talk about a certain part of it. Um, other than that, I'll keep going. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of things to jump in on because there was a lot well, of I, I just want to start with this. Yeah. Yes. Because I, I take notes, too. And yeah. Can, and we can see now because we're on video. Right, right. The, I wrote the title, and then in capital letters, I wrote prophetic. <laughs> because it is scary. <laughs> Some of the shit they nail in this in this episode about our society Oh yeah. where we are today. Oh yeah. Prophetic was the I I was just I was aghast at what I I'm like I cannot believe this cartoon from when I was a little kid yeah was telling the future like it did. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's like you said it's a little scary how they address certain <laughs> certain deep topics <laughs> about society in general. So I clearly didn't get any of that. <laughs> oh no, there's yeah, it's there. We'll 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 bring you up to speed, Grub. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh so the wrong stuff. Uh unaware that co- uh, a Cobra shuttle is removing several satellites orbiting Earth, the Joes ch- uh train and relax at headquarters. While Bill, who's trying to complete a crossword puzzle, asks Roblox for a French word <laughs> that is the clue to a cubic diameter or decimeter. And uh do you remember what it was? It was the letters were flipped. Yeah, leader. L-I-T-R-E. Yep. Uh, they turn on the television and to catch the news. However, the only station that they can pick up is the Cobra Television Network, uh, featuring shows like Father's Father's Knows No Beast, which I assume is a playoff of Father Knows oh, Best, yeah. um, which is a story of a man who is a werewolf by night and tells the viewers to not trust anyone. Uh, as Mr. C from this from the show The C Team. C Team. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, tells the viewers that he pities the fool who doesn't join Cobra. Uh, Roblox calls the other viewers uh, into the room and uh, believing the Joes are watching a joke on TV, Duke tries to change the station. However, he finds Cobra Commander on a talk show and explains to the host that since he was six years old, the age he learned that he could run society better than the morons in charge, he had devoted all his resources to making the world a better place. Slow learner, I guess, Lady J says, with arms crossed and a scowl on her face. You don't think anyone will watch that garbage, Scarlet asks. But Lady J tells her that some people will watch anything on TV. That's not the worst of it, Lady J Duke says. Some people will believe anything. Well, I was going to say, people trust TV. We, it, can, Cobra Commander said, people trust TV. I control the creation of truth. Yes. Yeah. Like, we haven't heard that in the last two or three years. <laughs> and I love the fact that he rewrote the ending to King Kong. Yes. <laughs> well, with, there was a, a Simpsons line. CGI a and everything, ago. yeah. There was a Simpsons line a long time ago about uh, Bart was arguing with Homer about something. And, well, TV told me to do that. And Homer goes, TV told you to do that? Like, his, <laughs> his whole world was shattered. <laughs> So uh, in a base in the Himalayas, Cobra Commander Destro and Baroness watch King Kong destroy planes while a de- detective on the street turns to the camera and explains that if someone is bigger and stronger than <clears throat> you, then you cannot be beat. <laughs> um, Cobra Commander then explains to the twins that he changed the ending with computer graphics and voice synthesizers in order to promote the social philosophy of Cobra. I found that very interesting considering nowadays Deep we fake. can. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Yep. So, uh, Cobra Commander explains uh, to the curious Baroness that the base uh, was set up in the mountain range so that Cobra could broadcast their shows uninterrupted. And to quell Destro's worries, Cobra Commander explains that people trust television since it's, it, it is their friend. And since Cobra Commander controls all of the television, they have the power to create truth, which allows Cobra to show the Joe in any light they wish. Um. As Colonel Sharp walks uh, with Duke, Scarlet, and Lady J, he tells Duke that Senator Flim is a, a bit odd. However, the Joes need his help since he's in charge of the Aeronautics Commission. Uh, the four enter the room, and Duke interjects that the Sky Strikers need rocket boosters to navigate in space. Uh, Senator Flim cap- claps Duke on the shoulder and happily tells him, well, if it'll make the world safe for democracy, you got him, son. Uh he then tells Duke that he remembers why he called him in his office, lowering his voice and leaning to Duke. The senator then asks Duke if he can find some tickets to the Army Navy Army football game. game. <laughs> actually, do you know how hard those actually really are to get most oh, yeah. of the time? Oh, yeah. Like, that's a big selling point down here in Annapolis with uh, get season tickets to uh, to the to Navy home games and uh, you get a uh, you get a first crack at uh, tickets to Army Navy. Nice. Yeah, it no, and I've heard that they're tough tough games to go to, so or get tickets to. Um Duke rolls his eyes and tells the center to look into the matter. Um Tomax and Zamot tell the group of advertising executives that 30 seconds of commercial time will cost them five million dollars, uh, which sounds like a Super Bowl ad nowadays. Probably cheaper for a Super Bowl ad. Uh, and the group decides that the fee is outrageous and asks what will happen if they don't pay. The Crimson Guard commanders explain that they don't pay on uh, the only television network in town, and their com- competitors will. Uh, as a purple, oh, this was this was 
scary. As a purple cartoon character in a suit and tie tells two green cartoon characters that no one likes him, and the green characters explain it's because he looks different, sounds different, and thinks different. The green character uh, changes the purple cartoon character to a green outfit and skin, and they walk away happily with the announcer uh, explaining that more pro-social fun will air tomorrow on the likables. Yeah, I remember seeing that one and going, holy shit. <laughs> but I do, okay, I I am getting the the understanding there of, uh, of I was bit, so focused on this It's a bit dark. <laughs> I was so focused on this episode with the terrible fucking physics and engineering and all that shit oh, going yeah, on. Oh, yeah, we'll get that into I that. Couldn't, I, I couldn't get past that and didn't even notice the social fucking shit going on here. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, there, there was some deep social issues going uh, on. Yeah, it's a... Uh, but no, I get the whole, uh, I get the whole... Uh, uh physics stuff we'll get into all that for sure <laughs> uh duke then turns off the televisions and and growls uh, enough is enough mutt flint roadblock and shipwreck mumble in agreement and ace breaks to the front of the uh crowd to tell duke that the sky strikers are ready for flight lady j and alpine explain that they are uh ready and duke is shocked by alpine's decision to volunteer and alpine tells duke that unless he stops cobra then he'll never see bowling for dollars again <laughs> Um, Cobra Commander dances with a globe, uh, sits it on the ground and tells Tomex and Zamot the world is completely in his control. They flip and land on the globe and explain that the ball is still in play. Activating a monitor, Tomex and Zamot introduce what the Joes are doing to Cobra Commander, who tells the twins to contact Zartan on the satellite. As the Joes break through the atmosphere and fly into space, Ace tells the Joes to ready their missiles. Roger says, Lady J, Fred chimes in Alpine. Lady J says, huh? And Alpine says, I'm sick of hearing about Roger. So is that some of the physics you had a problem with? Was the rocket boosters on Sky Strikers? <laughs> no, was Sky Strikers going into fucking space? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more involved in that. And that, like, there's just a lot of stupidity involved with jet engines that require oxygen to work <laughs> doesn't work in an oxygen free at you know space Rob, if you don't like that don't watch the uh, fast and furious movies oh i've never watched <laughs> i've never seen any of those and i never will oh well, this last one they went into space it was fucking beautiful yeah it's I, hilarious they become basically car superhero movies oh yeah it's car foo it's it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous yeah, <laughs> that's fine if it wants to be insane, but yeah. I can't get with that. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. Oh, and we'll get into some more ridiculousness as we go, as you know. Zartan orders the Dreadnoughts to prepare the heat-seeking missiles, and Buzzer taps his uh, his heel on the button. On Zartan's order to fire, Torch hits the button with his elbow, and the rockets destroy the Sky Strikers. Uh, as the Joes tumble together in in space, Buzzer tells the the Joeys the, uh, to have a nice trip home. To uh, Zartan's dismay, they travel back to Earth by using their oxygen to propel them and release their parachutes when there is enough atmosphere. They, they would, would burn up and re- burn up and die as they do. Yes, <laughs> they, they would not have survived. No, there was a big uh, there was a big stink just recently, and I understand it for the exact same reason. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, there was a Batman issue that was out recently where he was trapped up in space and he like angled like an oxygen tank to blow it towards the atmosphere. And he was like holding a piece of metal and he like re-entered and was keeping it in front of him. And then he like landed with like 
it was completely impossible and people were losing their minds. And then of course other people were going like, it's a comic book. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still like, there has to be some type of believability. He's still human. He's not Superman. <laughs> so, um, so let's see. Then we got uh, the ever skeptical Alpine tells the Joes, see you wherever. Ace tells his friends that whatever happens next, he was proud to serve with Lady J and Alpine. But the Joes uh, survive and miracle of, miracle of miracles, they land back at Joe headquarters rolling up the parachute. <laughs> yeah, talk, talk about perfect reentry. <laughs> you know. So not only did they not burn up in the atmosphere, but they landed back at Joe. Exactly. Oh, yeah, they, they, they came in, they came their, their entry point and back into the atmosphere clearly <laughs> led them right to there. Um, oh, and can we point out the fact that once again, I mean, I know it's going to happen again too, but once again, Ace goes on a mission with a sky striker and it gets shot down. <laughs> uh, Duke tells the Joes that Cobra caught them off guard. However, the next mission will have a squadron ready to uh, for space travel, and Ace will lead the mission. That's not a good idea. Uh, Ace asks for volunteers and shipwreck tripwire, Mutt, Wild Bill, Roadblock Lady, Jay Flint, Snake Eyes, Gung Ho, and Scarlet. Uh, every member in the Joe, uh, Joe team in the room at the time raises their hands. Uh, the first test is push-ups, and Shipwreck, who is between Flint and Barbecue, quits after 104 and asks why they have to do push-ups. Ace explains that even with no resistance in space, stronger is stronger. Shipwreck sets one arm over the other and rests his head and tells Ace that he will settle for weaker. Well, did you? I, I think it was at the very beginning of the episode. I think it's Ace that's like just standing there and then doing full-on front flips. Yes. With, without bending his knees. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, Ace. Like, who knew? <laughs> Maybe you should be a ninja. Right, right. So yeah, it goes it goes in line now with all the 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 physicality of what they have to do for training that the training montage. Yeah. Uh the next test is in zero gravity room where the uh the stomach and mouth switch places and the brain turns to a soggy cotton. Uh after 1 hour passes Ace leads the Joes to a G-force test room. Covergirl, Gung-ho, Flint, Shipwreck, Duke and Mutt sit on uh, a couch after experiencing 10 times Earth's gravity. And Ace tells them they have been eliminated, but Duke raises a fist and tells Ace that he can still make mincemeat out of him in the boxing ring. Because, you know, Duke's insecure. Uh, as Cobra Commander informs the television audience that one of the most precious rights of is free speech, Lady tells the Joes now that takes gall. Cobra, and I, I go back to what you were saying, John, like that that's stuff we hear nowadays. Like, oh, we want free speech, but only if it's our free speech. Yeah, help keep us on the air. Right, exactly. Uh, Cobra Commander adds uh, that the television station satellite was attacked by Joes. However, they were repelled. Unfortunately, the price of vigilance is high, and he asks the viewers to send large contributions to Cobra TV, which can be reached in care of Extensive Enterprises, Box 2222, Viper Beach, California, 90287. Uh, turning off the television is uh, in disgust. Duke tells Ace to prepare for launch. And as the rocket's countdown begins, Senator Flynn asks what will happen if the Joes fail. Then Senator Duke says gravely, we lose some fine soldiers and Cobra gets to poison the minds of everybody on Earth. Uh, the rocket flies up and Duke cheers the Joes on. Uh, the Joes fly towards space station once again with their sky strikers. 
and the uh, and the dreadnoughts who are looking out the window state that the Joes are coming in uh, into range of the station's weapons. Your dreadnoughts have a knack for stating the obvious, Destro tells Zartan, and you for showing up where you're not wanted, Zartan snaps back. With arms across his chest, Destro calmly retorts, you wanted my new weapon system badly enough, though, didn't you? Zartan orders the dreadnoughts to fire at will, and Torch asks Buzzer who is Will. Uh, Good times. Uh, The the shots hit Ace's Sky Striker. It's twice Ace. Two times in one episode. <laughs> uh, and the Joes disengage from the booster and watch dismayed as Ace tumbles towards the sun. Because Guessing. the sun is that close <laughs> to the Earth. Exactly what I was thinking. Dude, it would take him like nine months. <laughs> right. <laughs> at like way more speed than he's going in order to even get to the sun. Right. <laughs> if he even gets there, like, I mean, you know, the trajectory may shoot him off. God only knows where. I kept waiting for them to pan back to him in his space, like sweating as if like, oh, it's, it's getting hot in here, guys. You got to help me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. So uh, as Ace tells the Joes to knock the satellite out of the sky, Cobra Commander, who's laughing hysterically at the scene, tells the confused twins that he can't help but laugh since he is a sucker for real life drama. Uh, Lady J calls out for Ace, and her shouts are cut off as she avoids a shot from the station. Scarlet tells the Joes that they can't rescue Ace until they, they knock out the station. Otherwise, they will be picked off one at a time. Roadblock tells the Joes to follow him in a meteor into the meteor belt, and Alpine shouts, Great, we'll finish ourselves off and save Cobra the trouble. Uh, alone and empty, Sky Striker races towards the station, and the cannons blast at the jet. However, the Cobra agents quickly realized the plane's kamikaze attack was to, was a decoy for the Joes to fly above the satellite and strike from above out of the range of the cannons. Uh, as Zartan begins to panic, Destro tells everyone to remain calm and to act like tech, uh, like a technological warrior, not swamp rats. And a small satellite dish is raised to the top of the Cobra satellite, and Destro explains that the thermal molecular des- destabilizer, yeah, I like that name, uh, will trap the Joe's planes and pop their molecules like popcorn. Got any physics problems with that, Eric? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know with, with that one. I'm sure it's probably shit that doesn't really exist either. <laughs> but whatever. They're flying sky strikers in space. Right. And they're flying them like jets as opposed to like, you know, you're in space, man. Just going for it, yeah. <laughs> Lady J and the others are trapped and uh, she orders the Joes to eject as the planes are destroyed the Joes land on Cobra's satellite and climb into the cannons while de- the Dreadnoughts congratulate Destro the cannons are retracted and the Joes slip inside, they make plans to steal the shuttle and destroy the base from the inside Destro sees nothing on the radar and tells himself repeatedly that he's missed something uh, the gun ports he shouts opening the door to the bay for the gun ports he finds the Joe space uh, spacesuits and runs back to the control room where Zartan and the Dreadnoughts raise their glasses in a toast. And just as Destro enters the room, the Joes enter the other end and begin to pound on the Cobras. Ripper accidentally hits the button to the gravity and uh, to cease, and the Joes use their training to continue their attacks on Cobra. Uh, Destro fire, uh, fires several shots with laser built into his glove, and the station catches fire and begins to fall apart. 
Destro also makes the observation that they were trained for zero G combat. Yes. That the Joes were, they were trained for zero, you know, <laughs> did they do that? I missed that part in the training. They, I think, it, I think it was part of the montage. There was some sort of zero G mentioning. Yeah. I don't remember the actual combat part. I remember them floating around, but I yeah. don't remember them actually getting trained in the zero G combat. I that love was... zero G combat. That made me laugh. <laughs> As Cobra retreats, Roadblock grabs the unconscious Alpine and Lady J, which, by the way, I only I think I only remember Lady J getting knocked out. When the hell did Alpine get knocked out? <laughs> I remember, I think I remember seeing, it was one of the two. It was either Lady J or Alpine. One of them got hit in the head and they got knocked out. And then all of a sudden I saw that Roadblock was carrying both of them. I'm like, when did the other one get knocked out? <laughs> um, probably editing. And... uh he leads the Joes out of the control room aboard the Cobra space shuttle. Zartan states the obvious that Cobra television is coming to an end, but Destro reminds Zartan that six Joes will be killed, which is a fair exchange in his mind. Still on the slowly uh, disintegrating space station, Roblox asks Wild Bill if he can fly a space shuttle. Roblox says, if I can't, you won't be around to moan about it. <laughs> Flying ahead of the deadly flames, the Joes escape. A mechanical arm from the space shuttle grabs Ace's Sky Striker, and Lady J and Roblox retrieve Ace after removing the canopy. The shuttle then flies towards Earth after the Joes bring Ace aboard the shuttle and release the Sky Striker into the depths of space. Inside the Joes infirmary, Duke, Lady J, Roblox, and Wild Bill stand around Ace's hospital bed, and the recovering Joe asks if the station was destroyed. Duke tells him, for the better or worse, TV is back to normal. Scarlet tells Duke that he has a visitor. And Mr. C steps inside after telling Scarlet, stand aside, woman. Mr. C removes his Cobra necklace, smashes it, and tells Duke that uh, he is mean, bad, and out of work. And while saluting Duke, he asks if there are any openings in G.I. Joe. Duke looks sideways and tells the muscular uh, ex-actor, maybe if you can pass the physical. As Mr. C rests his fists on his hips and strikes a pose, the Joes laugh. End of episode. I I like the fact that Mr. C had like a C... In his hair, yeah. Yeah, his hair. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the fact that he only appeared in one little TV thing and then he appears at the very end. And Because when I saw, like, previews of the episode, like, little pictures from it, I was like, oh, this will be cool. We're going to see this character, like, through the whole episode. No. Nope. <laughs> so, Mr. C, there's a figure classified needs to make. <laughs> some, some customizer can do it. Um, so what'd you guys think of this episode? I think it sucks. <laughs> so is this the bad one for you? This is the bad one. <laughs> I think the only redeeming thing about this one to me was Mr. C. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's pretty much it. The rest of it was just like, wow, this is bad. <laughs> I, I think I like Mr. C and I like zero G combat. I just, <laughs> say that. just popped me the way he said it was funny. Now, you know, is what I, yeah, it looked. He's nowhere near the sun, and the the rocket stuff is silly. The one thing I was surprised that they didn't try to do is when they got basically after when the first time when the Joes go up and they get shot down, and Cobra Commander makes this whole production of oh look the bad you know they're they're the bad guys they're trying to take you off television. Yeah, I'm surprised that Flim didn't say I'm not going to help you. Yeah, you know you know like as if he was influenced by it. Yeah, exactly. Like I thought that's the whole point. Is there you know because again. They say some stuff in there that's really it is it's prophetic. Sure. And we you know we control TV, we control their minds and that kind of, and you know hey it, yeah I just I couldn't get over some of the commentary in it. 
yeah, I, you know, I, I grew yeah. just the opposite. I didn't, I, the physics is just silly, but some of it, I, I really, I was blown away at how accurate it was yeah. when it came to the television. No, I mean, so- it definitely hearing you guys talk about it and the actual thinking about what they were saying and all that, I get it. And it really, it's very interesting, the stuff that they said. It's just upon initial viewing. Maybe I was distracted. I just wasn't paying attention. Maybe I didn't expect deep shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, also at the same time, like, man, Hasbro really missed a chance to like, to introduce like some kind of space vehicle or like, you know, some kind of space Viper that didn't exist at that point, you know, as opposed to let's just throw the dreadnoughts up there. Why the hell would the dreadlocks be in a space station? You know, <laughs> they they work, why would you they want them in charge? As we find out, as we find out in Cold Slither, they work really cheap. That's true. That is true. So but you figure you'd have some, you know, a ton of fucking vipers or some kind or another up there running stuff. You got televipers, man. Like they'd be the perfect ones to be up there. <laughs> I agree. All right. So going on to the next episode, uh, this is Invaders. Um, I'm wondering which one this falls into the category for you, Grub. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with okay on this one. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. In the midst of a sandstorm, Duke barbecue. Okay, wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. I we need to make a point here. Yeah. And I'm surprised you didn't. What's that? You realize who wrote this episode, right? I didn't look to see who wrote oh, this episode. It was, was this Denny, Denny oh, Denny O'Neill, O'Neill wrote yeah. this oh, episode. Nice. Okay. I did not pay attention to the the creators on this one. I usually do, but I remember seeing that going, "Whoa!" Well, yeah. And I, I, we, I was talking to Travis about it because it's funny that you know he wrote some. Marv Wolfman wrote a few. Uh, yeah. Did J. Michael Straczynski? I know he wrote. He wrote. Yeah. He his name shows up a couple Transformers times. at least. So you know all these guys right. When I met Denny O'Neill years ago, I had him sign the GI Joe bag, but I had him sign it because he was the editor on the books. Right. Right at, at one point for several years. So anyway, I yeah, I just I popped when I saw Dennis O'Neill. Oh yeah, what oh, too funny? No, totally. And like I say, I normally do pay attention to that because, like you said, we do see his name pop up a couple times. We need to see Marv Wolfman. I remember seeing Marv Wolfman's name a lot. You know, right. going back to a lot of these things. Um, yeah, there's a lot of comic creators that we see uh, that wrote a lot of these episodes. So. All right, so uh, in the midst of a sandstorm, Duke, uh, Barbecue, Gung-Ho, Snake Eyes, and Dusty stop near an oasis, and Dusty asks a man standing beside a camel uh, if he has seen two men riding a vehicle similar to theirs. Uh, The man points them in the right direction, and Dusty tells the Joes who failed to get an answer from the man that Dusty and the desert dwellers speak the same language since they both love the desert. Can I also point out that Dusty was the only one smart enough to have goggles? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> he actually literally takes them off and puts them back on again. Yep. Yep. And it's it's funny too watching these episodes now with adult eyes because the second you see a guy, like a random guy next to a camel or something, you're like, okay, that's going to be somebody in Cobra. Exactly. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, the Joe, in fact, I was surprised how long it took for them to reveal that. <laughs> yeah. Cause that dude doesn't show up until I think what the, like basically the very end. Near the very end. Yeah. Yeah. So the Joes catch up with Tomax and Zane, not to spoil anything for our listeners who didn't <laughs> maybe didn't watch the show like 40 years ago. Uh, <laughs> the Joes catch up with Tomax and Zayma, who are riding uh, Cobra Ferrets. However, the Joes are joined by five people in a Jeep. And Duke tells Dusty that the Joes don't have uh, company, but competition, which is the October Guard, the Russian version of the G.I. Joe team. 
The Joes are forced to retreat on the Silver Mirage motorcycles when a dune rotates and reveals itself as Cobra Base. uh, Gung-Ho doesn't care about being outgunned and suggests enthusiastically that they attack, but Duke tells him that there's a difference between bravery and stupidity. So I completely forgot, and John, you probably remember, but I completely forgot that the October Guard even made an appearance in the cartoon. I, I I did remember, and I think it's weird that it is a bizarre combination of <laughs> comics related figure yeah. related and then a couple just so all out of left field <laughs> yes design wise yeah uh, they got a yeah. couple of them right they got a couple of them right they yeah, got a horror show right. they got and horror show and off. off yeah yeah those two i didn't even right. know stormovic was there until breckoff said his name i'm like right. yeah stormovic is there and then i like and then when they finally said dana's name i'm like that ain't yeah. Dana. That's she doesn't Dana. wear pink and she's blonde. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Wong. And like, Wong. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, who the hell's Wong? <laughs> <laughs> I went look, I went and did a Google search because I was like, did I not know about a October Guard member? And I like no. Googled him and I was like, no, he didn't exist. <laughs> I also like how they all spoke like perfect English too. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're all accented, but they all still like, okay. But the, the funny part is I remember when we were talking about this episode before we watched it, like all oh, the October Guard, I'm like, is that the one where Gung Ho or somebody just keeps yelling dumb Russian bear in horror show? <laughs> because that was all I remembered of that. Of the, I knew the October Guard had showed up in at least one episode, and all I could remember was Gung Ho yelling dumb Russian bear in horror show. <laughs> but I didn't know what episode it was sure. or any well, of that. And then well, I'm here like, oh, we are. It's, it's this one. <laughs> okay. And, and here's the, the funny part is um, when I was – my dad for a while, because he was career Marine, was stationed we were stationed in Israel along the Lebanese border with the UN keeping tabs on the Lebanese and all that and, and the Israelis after the Yom Kippur war in the 70s um and there were several Americans but there were also several Russians Soviets the one Russian that my dad really liked was a was a guy who was a tank commander okay. but he was like fucking horror show <laughs> he was like six five and just as round as he was big. I mean, big yeah. beard. I mean, he didn't have the mustache, but just a big beard and just this massive guy. But he was, you know, and I, I kind of vaguely remember him. So it was just funny to me. Like I look at horror show and he's arguing with a Marine and I'm yeah. like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, 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 your, it's your dad. <laughs> it, it's almost realistic, except for my dad was nowhere near the size of gung ho. Sure. Um, so but it's just kind of funny how sometimes life will parallel shit like that completely I would, randomly. I would, I would laugh if you told me that your dad called him Big Russian Bear. Uh, <laughs> there was something bear related, but I think okay. it was because of just the dude was so big and he had the big beard. Sure. That, yeah. you know. Hey, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as the Joes race away, Duke's motorcycle is shot. He uses part of a, a hilt as cover. Uh, Snake Eyes jumps off his bike and runs to help his friend, uh, and soon all the Joes are fighting the approaching Cobra forces. Dusty tells the Joes that they might be in trouble. Uh, what, just because we're outnumbered 20 to 1, Gung-Ho asks sarcastically. As the October Guard approaches the Joes, uh, they shoot over the Joes and attack Cobra, an act that surprises Gung-Ho since it appears that the Russians are helping the Joes. Duke explains that the, uh, that the October Guard are helping themselves in the battle with Cobra. Uh, the hostilities cease when a giant UFO appears in the sky. Like, why couldn't we just keep it with 
Joe's Cobra and the October Guard. Like that would have been enough of a story. Did we need UFOs? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh, Cobra, G.I. Joe, and the members of the October Guard look up, uh, watch the spaceship destroy the Cobra Dune uh, base and kidnap the Crimson Guard commanders using anti-gravity beams. Uh, an alien walks out of the ship and explains that after he examines the two specimens, he will determine the fate of the Earth. Dusty rushes forward and asks about the aliens' origins, and Dusty is told that the aliens' planet circles the star Sirius. Uh, Dusty watches as the spaceship takes off, and Barbecue tells his teammates that he would hate to be in Tomax and Zaymot's shoes at the moment. The largest soldier in the October Guard, uh, which wasn't revealed at the time, uh, states that Gung Ho is ugly, and immediately Gung Ho punches the large man to the ground. Duke yells for Gung Ho to stand at attention, and before the Russian soldier can hit the saluting Gung Ho, his commander, Colonel Brekoff, uh, grabs his arm and yells for Horror Show to stand at attention. Colonel Brekoff and Duke greet one another as professional soldiers. It's funny watching uh, Snake Eyes, in especially this episode, Yeah, and that he's just like a normal guy. You know, he's not yeah. this uber badass, like, I'm the greatest to, to ever great and that's that he's becoming the comics and everywhere else. Well, as I say in the cartoon, he never really became that character. Yeah, I mean, he, he had his moments, but he was never like the you know impossible force that he is. In he dressed else. up as Boy George. That was the highlight <laughs> of his cartoon career. <laughs> I still say we need to get uh, him dressed as Boy George with uh, shipwreck dressed up in timber, standing on hind legs with the uh, sunglasses, dancing to Colt Slither. Like, those two need to come together. Uh, Since neither team received orders about uh, confrontation with the other, both Duke and Colonel Brekoff decide to go their separate ways. Colonel uh, Sharp tells the Joes that the two spaceships have attacked a Russian oil refinery, an American airfield, an American tanker, a Russian observatory, and part of the Alaskan pipeline. As the ambassadors for the U.S. and USSR Yell at one another at the United Nations. Dusty comments that the two ambassadors sound like gung-ho and horror show. Uh, Colonel Sharp explains that the president has ordered the Joes to drop everything and find the flying saucers. Duke then suggests that the Joes borrow a submarine and pay a visit to October Guard's headquarters in Siberia in order to swap intelligence. Uh, Cutter guides the Joes to the base. The submarine cracks through the ice and Gung-Ho wonders how they are going to get inside the base since it de- its defenses include anti-aircraft missiles and radar uh, and is surrounded by a tall ring of ice. Ever been to the circus, Gung-Ho? Duke asks. Ever seen a human cannonball? Ever watched gladiator games? <laughs> Ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> The uh, five Joes are fired out of five large cannons on on the sub and parachute into the base. There's your physics for you again, Grub. That's one of my (laughs) favorites. And all I could think of is when he said when he was talking about not getting in the cannon. I could think of Mr. T not wanting to get on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't getting on a plane. Uh, That may be that. That might be though their greatest Trojan horse, whatever you want to call it. Like how. I don't yeah. ever remember them just shooting like cannon, human cannonballs into something. That, <laughs> no. that, that was tremendous. That's good. Uh, so the five Joes are fired out the five large cannons, the sub and the parachute into the base, and the October Guard grab their guns and greet the Joes at gunpoint. Duke tries to explain to Colonel Breckoff that the Joes are on a mission of peace. However, the October Guard's commander is not convinced. See, this was the mistake. They sent Duke with them with automatic <laughs> capture. <laughs> 
Don't think well, I didn't. The point, don't though. think I wasn't going to notice. <laughs> Maybe they sent him intentionally because I knew he would get captured <laughs> and it wouldn't start World War Three. There you go. Uh, as the Joes are led to the stockade, yeah, it was funny because, like I said, we haven't seen. I don't think we've seen Duke get captured in a while, and all of a sudden this happened. I was like, I, I'm I'm counting that one. <laughs> Uh, as the Joes are led to the stockade, Gung-Ho antagonizes Horror Show and punches the Russian soldier to the ground, immediately recognizing the distraction. The Joes swiftly disarm the, the uh, and capture the October Guard captor. Snake Eyes holds uh, Dana. Uh, she calls him an Amerikansky devil. And I'm so glad she didn't beat him up or knock him down yeah. or get away from him. I, that would have been a bit much. Yeah. Uh, Duke knocks Colonel Brekhoff's gun out of his hand, grabs uh, another from the colonel's holster, holds it next to the man's head, and declares that the fight is over. The Joes and the Russians stand at ease, and Duke releases Colonel Brekhoff, hand, uh, hands his gun back to him, and tells him that the Joes are at the base on a mission of peace. Colonel Brekhoff agrees that they should talk. While the Joes and the October Guard mingle, Duke and Colonel Brekhoff decide to join forces since they will have a greater chance of finding the, and defeating the Flying Saucers with combined resources. As Wong, one of the October guards who fashions himself as a cowboy, introduces himself to Snake Eyes, Duke tells a shock to Gung-Ho that he'll be teammates with Horror Show since Duke doesn't want either Yahoo out of his sight. Yeah, Wong still throws me. <laughs> uh, Dusty, Stormovic, uh, Dana, and Barbecue join Colonel Brekhoff, who plans to scout for the spaceships over Europe, while Duke's team will investigate North America. As Duke's team, codenamed Alpha, flies in the air, they pick up the ultimatum from the alien who explains he will destroy San Francisco and Vladivostok, say that three times fast, and demands that unless the planet surrenders to him, he will destroy every city on Earth. When the transmission ends, Duke is contacted by Colonel Sharp and is told that the president is ordering the U.S. armed forces to amass around San Francisco, that the Russians are doing the same for their city. I feel like the choice of Vladivostok is a strange one. And I yeah. suspect it's really only because most Americans in that day and age probably can only, only know like three Russian towns. Pretty I mean, much, Vladivostok yeah. is in a small city. It's really a major military base, but you know, Vladivostok and San Francisco. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not similar at all. <laughs> no. I mean, what else does anybody really know in Russia right. at that time beyond maybe Moscow and St. Petersburg or Lenin, well, or Stalingrad, Leningrad? Yeah. Well, and they couldn't, and they obviously couldn't use Moscow because that was where they're really going. So, yeah. Spoilers, Ryan. Come on. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, while flying a G.I. Joe glider, Wong is shot down by Cobra agents near an extensive enterprise building, but before the two Cobras can shoot Wong, who is hanging on the building thanks to his lassoing skills. Snake Eyes, like, that just doesn't even feel right for the October Guard. <laughs> well, that, and that was, the, that was the interesting thing with Wong. First off, he, he didn't exist from a nationality <laughs> standpoint, didn't seem to fit. He didn't appear, he was, I guess he would be uh, Asian. Russian, yeah, Asian, yeah. Russian, for, yeah. you know, further yeah. down. However, he was trying to be an American. He was John Wayne. He was dressed right. like a cowboy and could talk to you said partner and stuff. It was such a weird combination, <laughs> a weird combination that you, it, it, and all of a sudden he just kind of appeared. Yeah. Like all of a sudden he and snake eyes are in those gliders and they're jumping off the building and that yep. no setup or anything. <laughs> or no, he, he was in the beginning oh. though. 
Yeah, he was there. He was there still. at the beginning. He was there, but there was no explanation of, oh, Wong didn't mention that he was interested in American pop culture or anything, but all of a sudden he's talking like a cowboy. I just and assumed upon first viewing of him that he was probably like, because of the cowboy hat and the way he looked, I'm like, okay, well, this guy's clearly the cowboy. Right. Well, and then, and the thing is too, like I, to your point, John, like I didn't understand what, what, what was their mission? Like that's their side mission is to ride these gliders around town. Like I just it didn't, I didn't understand it. Yeah. So. Well, like why, why are we going to check out extensive enterprises? Cause we think the aliens do we. Right. Oh no. Uh, oh, we know why I know. Well, yeah. Yeah. I know why now. I just, I just hit me. <laughs> um, as they sneak around the, uh, so we have, uh, Snake Eyes knocks the two agents to the ground, and the two enter the building. As they sneak around the building, a trapdoor falls beneath them, uh, and they slide into a cage, which is surrounded by several armed Cobra agents. Tomax and Zaymot surprise Wong and Snake Eyes by their presence, since they were captured by the alien, and they tell them that they cut a deal with the alien. After Snake Eyes and Wong toss out their weapons, they are released from the cage and knocked unconscious by guns that shoot electricity. Thank you. They, right. Very menacing looking tasers. They're uh, carried to a spaceship, trapped by, uh, strapped to a table, and greeted by the alien who broadcasted his ultimatum to the world. They listen to him ask about the location of the Joes and the October Guard. The alien then rips off his mask and then the mask of the Desert Traveler. So here's where we finally see that it was the Desert Traveler. I remember when the alien mask first came off, I was like, who's that guy? Because <laughs> if I was supposed to know who it is. <laughs> Um, let's see, uh, the Dreadnoughts, uh, obviously it ends up taking off that mask and ends up being Zartan. Uh, the Dreadnoughts enter the room and explain that the spaceship is nothing but a Cobra plane. But when Wong asks why Cobra is dressing up like space invaders, the Dreadnoughts urge Zartan to reveal their plan. Cobra's master of disguise angrily orders the Dreadnoughts to get back to their posts and then receives transmission from the second saucer, which is controlled by Cobra commander. Zartan explains that, that the Joes and the October Guard have no idea that uh, Cobra is uh, the alien force since Wong was genuinely surprised by the alien's true identity. Cobra Commander explains that since the Russian and American forces have, uh, are heavily concentrated in two cities, the White House and the Kremlin are wide open targets for Cobra to attack. And he adds that Cobra forces are surrounding the targets while dressed as motorists and tourists. After attacking the two capitals, at 1800 hours, Cobra Commander believes that the battle can be won in one hour and the military secrets of both nations will belong to Cobra. Uh, Zartan signs off, aims a gun at Snake Eyes and asks if he has any last words. And one of the few times we see Snake Eyes be the badass that we see in the comics, he kicks <laughs> the gun out of, uh, uh, kicks Zartan in the chest and causes the blast to, to shoot uh, across the strap of his chest uh, without killing him. And quickly delivers a powerful kick to Zartan, and the Cobra agent fights to stay conscious, but falls to the ground. Snake Eyes frees Wong and tries to figure out how to fly the ship, while Wong uh, contacts Duke and explains, the aliens are really Cobras and going to attack the Kremlin and the White House. Gung-Ho doesn't believe anything he hears, but Duke points out that Snake Eyes is signaling in the the background with an OK sign. Uh, Duke's team heads for the White House, while Colonel Brekhoff's squad defends the uh, Kremlin. And Duke orders Horror Show to Radio Joe headquarters for reinforcements. 
When uh, 1800 hours arrives, Cobra commander orders the attack uh, uh, and asps attack the Kremlin in Moscow while Cobra flight pods fly towards the White House. As Du Korsho and Gung Ho uh, defend the White House, a Cobra agent fires a bazooka. Gung Ho falls t- uh, to the next level and is knocked out. Korsho drops down, moves a beam off Gung Ho's back, and carries him out of the blazing room. After Gung Ho awakens from the fall, they jump back into the fight. Uh, as Sky Strikers arrive at the White House and drive Cobra away, Russian planes fly to the Kremlin and eventually cause Cobra to retreat thanks to their new superior firepower. New Pagodi! Gorgeous. Dusty shouts while picking up Dana, who happily yells back, Yo, Joseph! <laughs> I just see Grub just shaking his head. <laughs> the Cobra Commander radios Zartan's ship, but Wong and Snake Eyes stand in front of, uh, of the tied-up mercenaries, and Wong tells Cobra Commander to drop his irons. And come out reaching for the sky. However, Cobra Commander screams that he can still destroy the White House. Snake Eyes and Wong work together to shoot down Cobra Commander's craft, which crashes into the river. Back at the October Guard's base, Gung Ho asks how Snake Eyes knew that the alien broadcast from the moon wasn't real. Snake Eyes replays the ultimatum and points to the milk carton and a human hand, which are two things you don't find on the moon. Horror Show watches Snake Eyes nod and asks Gung Ho in just, Hey, Gung Ho, why Snake Eyes getting all the brains while you getting all the ugly? Gung Ho grinds his teeth. See, I could have done voice talent for... Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're killing it, Ryan. Mine was just as good. <laughs> Follow your dreams, man. Follow your dreams. Gung Ho grinds his teeth, growls, and rushes towards Horror Show. But Duke stops him and tells the Joes that it is time to go home. Laughing at Horror Show, Gung Ho tells him that he still thinks the Russians a a soldier is a dumb Russian bear. But Horror Show laughs and repeats his opinion of Gung Ho being ugly. The two laugh at their differences, and after the Joes shout, Yo, Joe, the Russians shout, New Pagodi! Which, I looked up what the hell that even is. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, like, what what is that supposed to mean? So, I don't, so, it's weird. Because all I could find was, as far as a translation, was it's, it refers to uh, just you wait. Oh, weird. Yeah, which yeah. is a weird, which just is a weird, wait for which a is a, it's a weird battle cry, right? <laughs> well, maybe there's some sort of like Russian colloquialism that, yeah. you know, so, doesn't really translate. Yeah. So what I did find is uh, there was a cartoon uh, called New Pagodi. That ran from like 19, uh, I think I had it from 1990 or 1969 all the way to 2017. It, it had a few breaks in between there, but it went from 1969 to 1991. Then it was from 1991 to 1995, and then 1995 to 2006. Um, so, and then it picked up again in, and went till 2017. Um, and it was only like so many episodes each of those years, but it was ranked in a in a Russian survey as the greatest cartoon of all time. Oh. So, uh, and it was about a wolf who was trying uh, trying to eat a hare, and they were of course like anthropomorphic creatures, like kind of like uh, the wily coyote, coyote. Trying, yeah. trying to catch the roadrunner. Yeah. Huh. So, but it was the show. The series was called New Pagodi. So I wonder if one of the writers knew of that cartoon because <laughs> it is a Russian cartoon. So 
Um, but yeah, it, the new pagode means uh, you just wait. So I have a theory as to why they, I mean, Denny O'Neill's not here to defend himself anymore, but I think I know why they made this one with the spaceships and stuff. Why is that? Because th- this came out in 85, like mid 85, mm-hmm. late 85. I think this was a tribute to V. Yeah. V. Oh, okay. Because the spaceships looked a lot like the motherships yeah. and the fact that they were, well, there were just the two floating around, but it kind of looked like a, like the alien was kind of, yeah, could have been visitor like. Yeah, so I think I and and the other thing I thought of was at the end with the milk carton. All I could think of was the uh, goof in Game of Thrones where there's the Starbucks cup. Starbucks. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know you have those in Westeros, apparently. But. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point though. Like uh, trying to you know because they were always trying to like get uh, you know the zeitgeist what was going yeah. on at the time and everything else. So it makes sense. So. So where where did this one rank for you, Grub? I actually like this one. Yeah, okay. there's some there's some silliness and some stupidity in this, but sure. one seeing Dusty actually do what Dusty should be doing, sure, and the October Guard, yeah, um, you know it's it was fun to finally you know to see them, you know, in the <laughs> the weird space alien take, but uh, I don't know, I just really had a fun time with that one, yeah. um, but. Still, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, it's not it, high art. No, no it's not. No. It's just, <laughs> I just was entertained. And I wonder, was this, I mean, I don't know if we ever looked it up, but uh, is this the only time the October Guard showed up in the cartoon? The I original cartoon, so. right? I believe I think it so. is. Yeah. So. so that right there makes it, in my my opinion, worth seeing just to. Sure. For that. So it, to yeah. me, this has got to go on a high, not a high, you know, it's not the highest levels. But sure. You know, it's not like world's not like, end. I was gonna say it's not that episode, but yeah, uh, it's, but it's it's, it's to one me, you should see. It's one. It's it's got to be up on that top tier of this is an episode of GI Joe that you should watch and is worth watching, especially like you said, especially with the October Guard appearing yeah. in there and stuff. So yeah, I can see that. John, how about for you? What do you think of the, this one? Hey, listen, we got human cannonballs. I, I think that was, <laughs> I, I did not remember that from 1985. I thought that was just tremendous and silly, but much more entertaining than the yeah. wrong stuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, I had a and good yeah, time. With it was this the one. October Guard for crying out loud. Come on. Right. How am I not going to like it? Well, yeah. I was going to say that's why I was, I really wanted your opinion because I know that they, they have a special place for you. So. Well, I, Wong does now for sure. They need a classified like two pack now with Wong and and, and brown haired Dana. Sure, <laughs> or, I, was it brown haired or black with with all with, pink, with uh, a pink outfit with a pink yeah, with a pink right. snowsuit in the middle right. of the desert. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're going to do the whole October Guard, and then that's like you said, that's going to be a separate two pack that comes. Yeah, that'll be convention exclusive. Yeah. yeah. That's a interesting one thing uh question for you, John, because I know you don't get a lot of the classified figures. Um yes. if they did October Guard figures, depending on how they look, would you get yeah. them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I figured you would. I really want a horror show and a Breckoff. Oh man, I I would would love those two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I haven't I I've picked up uh I guess the last one I picked up was the Retro Baroness. I did okay. I did get her. Yeah. And uh I yeah, I, I like. I will say I liked everything I've seen. Sure, I, for, I, I you were big on rock and roll, though, if I remember right. I'm disappointed in rock and roll, but I haven't. You know, that's a design thing too. We would wait and see the final 
Sure. We'll see what he looks like in hand. I, I didn't care for the design yeah. that they put out, but I also know that stuff changes, can change a sure. lot. The, the Tiger Force stuff, you know, Grub, you said you haven't seen a whole lot of new stuff. The Tiger Force target stuff is all sitting around here. Oh, really? I've probably seen two dozen Vipers, Bats, probably wow. a dozen Outbacks. Wow. Uh, I so, just want normal yeah. outback. I don't want the Tiger Force version. Well, he'll be he'll be coming soon. Oh, and, yeah. and then and the bazookas, I guess, just floating around too. And the uh Duke and the Ram. Uh gotcha. Tiger those are out. I mean, that's not hitting. I've not found one yet, but yeah. But it's starting to hit. Yeah. The one I'd like to see in person, um, because it, it's kind of like it can make the decision if I would get it or not, would be Stalker. because uh, oh, I, it, I have seen nice. Stalker in person. It's nice. It's I almost picked it's really it up. nice. It's yeah, really I, nice. Is it okay? Yeah, I have not. Nice. I have not seen it in person, so that's. I mean, I he, saw him at a toy show, but he's really, really cool. He's yeah. packed with Tomax and Zaymont, and yeah, it, it's it's a nice figure. Okay. Um. All right. So going into the final episode here, Cold Slither, the one I was most looking forward to. Uh, <laughs> I, I have all kinds of issues with the finances of this one. <laughs> I understand. I understand that completely. Because <laughs> the math makes no sense. And, right. and I, it wouldn't have made sense when I was 10 or 12, but it sure <laughs> as hell doesn't make sense now. So we have physics problems on one end and finance problems on the other end of these episodes. <laughs> all right. So uh, while standing by uh, Firefly in the desert, uh, Major Blood yells at the Cobra agents unloading three moving vans to be careful while placing the boxes of the merchandise in a cave since the loot is for the funding of Cobra's next fiscal year. Uh, Cover Girl, who is driving an Striker, finds uh, the cave and tells Gung Ho, who is riding uh, with her and armed with the vehicle's cannon, to remind her to thank Intelligence for the accurate information about Cobra. Real quick. Uh, yeah. It was cool as hell for one to see Covergirl leading an assault. Yes. And two to actually see guys on standing on the backs of the all strikers. I mean, even though the cannons are really supposed to be, I think, controls from the, the pilots or the passenger yeah. side. Yeah. To see them on the back using them. Yeah. You know, they're that actually controlling cool. them as opposed to just of course, then they completely abandon the vehicles to charge in on foot. <laughs> so as you but, do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, I will tell you too, like watching the episode, the Invaders episode, and seeing Dusty in that one, and then also I saw cover on this one. I was like, oh my god, like this is like Grub's perfect like combo episode. Because <laughs> excuse me, while I go over here to the corner, if you hear some noise, uh, <laughs> just ignore that. Well, and to your point with the Dusty with the uh, episode with Dusty, and like both characters played good roles, yeah, uh, in the episode. So it wasn't like they were just like thrown in; they actually had. A purpose there so um so the joes attack and with the help of ace in this uh seat of a sky striker i don't know why that would be helpful uh a, a slugger and several generic joes cobra is quickly defeated major blood slips away and drives off into the desert on a cobra ferret and abandon abandons firefly who calls to the uh eye patch wearing mercenary and errand boy before dashing off into the desert himself Covergirl, Thunder, Dusty enter the uh, cave and are shocked by the vast fortune stolen by Cobra. Tomex and Zaymot, dressed in their business suits, explain to Cobra Commander that he is broke due to the raid by the Joes. Cobra Commander pounds the meeting table in extensive enterprises offices uh, in disbelief and yells that the situation is impossible since he controls the largest criminal organization in the world. 
But the owners of extensive enterprises explain Cobra is no longer the largest criminal organization since all of his employees have filed for unemployment benefits. It's amazing that a terrorist organization could file for unemployment. <laughs> hey, listen, you, you want to talk about blending reality or silliness. Somebody asked me on a social hour, we do an Ask Us Anything episode. Yeah. Somebody actually asked me, did Darren, was Bear, excuse me, did Dar, uh, did Destro and the Baroness have an inappropriate workplace relationship? <laughs> <laughs> no, they just filled out paperwork. They were fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't actually technically employees of Cobra. So they're, you know, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. But did they have to file it with Mars? So I mean, that's, I, well, he owns Mars. He owns Mars. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, but you, even as the owner, do you still have to, like, <laughs> make that but, known? <laughs> but was she an employee? That's true. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the questions we could ask. Well, we also found out in earlier episodes that Cobra has a good, like, health plan and everything. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, According to must, Shipwreck. Right. So that must be why they get, also get unemployment benefits. <laughs> so the Twin Crimson Guard commanders also state that Cobra Commander's creditors are demanding that he deliver $200 million in 48 hours. <laughs> To, to I like the fact that he has creditors. Yes. Like, who the <laughs> hell is this sending credit? You know? <laughs> like, well, we get to see who's going to loan him money. Right. <laughs> it's true. After, oh, yeah. After a football game on television is interrupted by Cobra Commander with an army behind him trying to recruit for Cobra, Duke believes that Cobra, uh, that Cobra fin- financial backing is running on fumes. Soon, Duke and several of the Joes are parachuting out of a dragonfly into a Cobra base. Uh, gliders sweep over the base and inside the compound. Alpine, Bazooka, and Duke find nothing but dust on the Cobra equipment. After Scarlet explains to Duke that the generator is off and Spirit states that there is uh, not a soul in sight, Roblox tells Duke that he has found human movement east of their position. As a set of doors swing open, the Joes run into Tomax and Zamot, who explain that they are escorting several bidders in an attempt to auction off the base so the extensive enterprises can recoup part of their investment since Cobra is now bankrupt. Tomax and Zamot also explain that they are unaware of Cobra Commander's location. However, if they find him, they ask the Joes that they notify them since Cobra Commander owes extensive enterprises money. I want to know how... uh... Spirit said there was nobody there, and he's supposed to be this expert tracker. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like like twenty of them traping through this place. Like clearly, you didn't check everywhere. He he had been drinking that day. Uh, okay. That's that's a bad road to go down. <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> no, I meant I was talking about the his, the historical. Uh... No, I know. <laughs> I meant it could I could have been anybody. I would have said they were drinking. <laughs> um. Anyways, to get away from that topic. <laughs> Maybe he really needed freedom and freedom wasn't there. Maybe. Uh, Duke knocks over several life-size cardboard cutouts of Cobra agents and they that are standing next to his tanks, Fang helicopters and stingers. Firefly and Cobra Commander wear trench coats and sunglasses as they enter a bar on the wharf called Stinky's Emporium, which is owned by Stinky. A very short man who frequently mus- misuses words in his sentences. Oh, does he ever? <laughs> Stinky attempts to be friendly. However, after annoying Cobra Commander, Stinky tells Guido, one of his bodyguards, to bring a case filled with $1 million. Uh, as Cobra Commander closes the case, he reiterates the terms $1 million with a 400% interest rate per week. Uh, an interest rate Cobra Commander calls generous. 
Cobra Commander begins to walk away from the table, but Stinky climbs onto the table and adds one more stipulation to the deal. He wants to see Cobra Commander's face. Stinky touches Cobra Commander's mask and an electric current paralyzes him. Cobra Commander punches Stinky away and the Lone Shark screams at his bodyguards to apprehensive him. <laughs> uh, but the Baroness turns out the lights and the approaching gar- bodyguards, Guido and Frankie, are knocked out in the darkness. Cobra Commander and Firefly climb down a ladder and into a water moccasin. Thus ends the career of Stinky. There's an, that, that'll be the two-pack we get, Mr. C and Stinky. <laughs> Stinky ain't going to get any of that money he just loaned out either. <laughs> no. no. Uh, with the money in hand, Cobra Commander asks about Major Blood. The Baroness replies that he's preparing his resume. He'll make a good shipping clerk, Cobra Commander notes. Destro recognizes a swampland as part of Zartan's lair, and he is told by Cobra Commander that Destro's intelligence is exceeded only by his good looks, uh, a remark that causes Destro to growl. Zartan chastises uh, Cobra Commander for being late and adds uh, that his charity has limits. However, Cobra Commander tersely explains that he doesn't have time uh, since there's a large amount of work ahead. With a push of the button, Zartan changes the interior of a shabby shack into a high-tech base. And on Cobra Commander's orders, the Baroness explains Operation Cold Slither. By slipping subliminal messages into music albums, Cobra will be able to lull minds of every listener. However, Zartan wonders what the plan offers him. Cobra Commander opens the briefcase full of money and tells the mercenary that he'll be paid after the job has been completed. Did anyone else get the feeling that this episode was taken from the idea of, so I mean, not necessarily the satanic panic of the early 80s, but all the the stuff that heavy metal bands were having to go through with oh, I subliminal messages and, well, and all yeah, the shit that... Playing your Beatles albums backwards, stuff or, like uh, that. Judas Priest yeah. was the one that really... Uh, yep. That was just the whole thing. I was like, man, I never realized, like, is that where they got this idea? Because it's... <laughs> As successful as Cobra was with it, all those bands' wishes they could have, right. they could have done that, right. those kinds of record sales. Right, exactly. Well, and the thing I wondered with it was, okay, he's he Cobra's broke, but yet he, and I know he got the money from Stinky, but he's offering that money to Zartan. Where is he getting the money to get the studio and the director and, <laughs> and all the concerts and everything else that they're going to do? Oh, that's all on points. Uh, oh, okay. afterwards, <laughs> so they're creditors. Uh, no, the, the director's like, "I'll take points." So every for every, you know, I'll take five yes. percent of whatever it is that you make off of this. There you go. Uh, inside a makeup room, the Baroness applies the last dab of powder to Torch's face, while Zartan and the other Dreadnoughts discuss their fee: five dollars an hour, an hourly wage so high that it surprises Torch. I'm telling you, man, they work cheap. <laughs> they do. <laughs> What were the, the soldiers? What were the troops making if if he if he only owed them two hundred million and these guys are all on the unemployment line, paying the dreadnoughts five bucks an hour? Man, the math just like yeah. I said I got a lot of financial issues with this episode. <laughs> what I was think, the minimum age at that point? Like a dollar fifty or something? No, I think it was like four and a quarter or something like that in nineteen eighty five. Yeah, I think it was somewhere around there. Maybe a little bit less, but hmm. it was go- uh, three thirty five. Three thirty-five. Okay. And the equivalent now would be eight dollars and eighty-seven cents. Oh, okay. Uh, Despero whispers to Cobra Commander, uh, "It's taking longer to address these morons than it took to record the song." 
Destro then explains that the subliminal com- uh, commands will be added after the video has been filmed. On the set of the video, Zartan and Dreadnoughts lip sync the lyrics and listen to the rants of the director, Lanceberg, which he looked familiar. I feel like we've seen him in past Joe episodes. I f- wasn't there? Yeah. Um, he there directed was an episode- the. There's a movie, and there's another movie that I think he directed that. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. what I was. There was some sort of movie they were doing that he was the director of. That's right. Yeah, I knew he looked familiar, but. Uh, so uh, Landsberg talks about how he wants the video as a form of art and not exploit uh, exploitation. While Zartan tells Torch that they are going to tolerate the director until they are paid, a union official approaches Cobra Commander and <laughs> reminds him of the union's rules regarding overtime. But Cobra Commander quickly rises from his chair and grabs the union representative by his coat and threatens the only union they should be concerned with is the one between their heads and their shoulders. Hey, man, if they, <laughs> if they were if they were filming this in the UK, man, you do not fuck with those unions. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if you mess with them here too much either. <laughs> it depends on the union. That's true. Uh, in the next shot, Zartan and the Dreadnoughts again play and pretend to sing. However, they begin to smash the set with their instruments and weapons. While Landsberg screams for the camera and the mercenaries to stop, Cobra Commander kicks the director out of the chair and tells the cameraman to continue filming since, since the scenes of destruction are what he wants. While Colt Slither is playing on the radio, Cobra Commander tells Tomax and Zaymot uh, that after 20 days, the song now holds the top spot on the charts, and the twins inform Cobra Commander that they have canceled his debt for uh, a share of the profit. So those are your points. Uh, <laughs> as a result, they are all partners. Kids dance in the halls of the school while Colt Slither is pumped out in the speakers on portable stereos and uh, teacher snaps a pencil and angrily wonders how she can grade papers when she's surrounded by so much awful music. As the bell for class begins, she steps out into the hallway since her classroom is empty, but no one, uh, there isn't a student in sight. Uh, at Joe headquarters, Ripcord, Torpedo, Snowjob, and Bazooka play golf on a course filled with barbed wire and landmines. Bazooka swings too hard and his shot hits Gung Ho in the head, who falls over the di- off the diving board and knocks Lady J into the pool, bounces off Barbecue's grill, and lands an alpine salad. Hey, I've played golf on a military base that literally had signs on two of the holes that said, do not hit ball while planes are taxing down runway. Oh, wow. <laughs> because the, uh, this is the second and the third hole. It was a golf course that was on uh, Atsugi Naval Air Station outside of Tokyo. The second and third hole were re- literally next to the taxiway for the runway. Oh, wow. Um, so military bases, you never know, man. Right, right. Uh, inside a recreation room, Shipwreck tosses a, a paper airplane in the air and watches it land on the on Breaker's helmet while Footloose dances as the Colts slither their videos on the big screen television. He tells an extremely bored Shipwreck that the sailor needs to find a hobby. But the subliminal message creeps into the Joe's brains, and as the video jockey explains that the band Colts slither will be playing at the local sports arena, Shipwreck, Footloose, and Breaker walk out of the room past Torpedo, Snowjob, and Ripcord, board a jeep and leave the base after smashing through a military police checkpoint as torpedo explains to duke that the uh that breaker and the other joes were yelling cold slither several times while leaving the base duke states that the joes words sound like cobra stuff Scarlet, they, sh- they should have had ro- rock and roll as one of those guys yeah because that that's exactly sense. what he would be listening to right him and footloose so <laughs> um oh footloose probably be listening to like reggae or something like that 
Uh, Scarlet rises from her chair at the conference table, uh, places a hand on Duke's shoulder, and kindly tells him that Cold Slither is a rock band. Slightly embarrassed, he confesses that he hasn't been keeping up with the music scene. Duke orders for the military police to be dispatched uh, for the arrest of the AWOL Joes and for a court-martial to be readied. But Torpedo asks that the punishment is a bit severe. Duke explains that if Cobra is finished, uh, he will not let discipline slip on the Joe team. Seems a little harsh to me, too. No, it's not. No, no. Okay. Soldiers going AWOL will get you thrown in prison. Okay. So it doesn't matter the reasoning. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a serious, serious offense. Okay. Good to know. So Duke is correct in that. Okay. Uh, inside the sports arena, Cold Slither performs, and the Joes and the audience are brainwashed by the subliminal messages. Uh, and even the military police officers uh, assigned to the arrest uh, to arrest the Joes decide to stay after finding Footloose, Shipwreck, and, and Breaker. Inside a soundproof booth near the stage, Cobra Commander decides to bend the wills of his captive audience. Uh, after Destro explains that the subliminal signal uh, can be stopped and replaced with an audible one, Cobra Commander turns off Destro's message, and the Baroness orders the people to drop to their knees and bow. <laughs> awesome. Yes. But after she orders the audience to, to shout all hail Destro and the Baroness, Cobra Commander grabs, <laughs> tells her to stop her foolishness. Cobra Commander then <laughs> occupies the television waves and asks the viewers if they know where their kids are at the moment. Uh, he then t- explains that the kids are at, are with Cobra and will be returned when he is paid $100 billion. <laughs> After adding uh, that the stadium is surrounded, he tells the parents that they have two hours to pay him. Uh, Duke pounds the table in anger at the sight of Cobra lulling the Joes uh, into a sense of complacency. However, Lady J tells Duke, Flint, and Scarlet that he that she has an idea. Feeling feeling that their uh, acting gig is be, becoming too much like work, the Dreadnoughts abandon Zartan on stage. While Zartan wonders where the band went, Cobra Commander explains to the uh, caustic Baroness that he no longer needs Zartan or his crew. The Dreadnoughts walk into their room and find three female fans who are ecstatically shouting, Cold Slither! Believing they have fans, the Dreadnoughts happily open their arms up to the women, but women, uh, but the women swiftly knock the men down to the ground, pick up their weapons and uh, of the shock Dreadnoughts, and learn. Uh, and the Dreadnoughts learn from uh, the control room is in the uh, learn from the Dreadnoughts that the, in the control uh, the controls are in the sound room near the stage. Scarlet radios Duke that they have found the control room and the co- and Cover Girl puts. The Dreadnoughts to sleep with sleeping gas sprayed from a perfume bottle. Where, where that came from, I don't know. And also, wouldn't that put them to sleep? I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's an aerosol spray. Right. Um, the Joe women enter the sound room and quickly have Destro, the Baroness, and Cobra Commander at gunpoint. As the Baroness tells Destro that his subliminal messages don't have any effect on the Joes, uh, Lady J pulls out her earplugs since she can't hear what the two are talking about. So you knew about the subliminal messages, said, uh, asked Destro. No, we knew your taste in music, Scarlet explained. Cobra Commander pushes the button and activates a hypersonic sound and paralyzes the Joes and shatters a window, which the, co- uh, which the Cobra Elite jump through in order to escape. They fall into popcorn concession stands and Cover Girl picks up the microphone and tells the crowd, repeat after me, Cobra Commander is a clown. <laughs> crowd chants the insult to Cobra Commander 
He retreats with the Baroness and Destro. Scarlet then tells the audience that Shipwreck, Footloose, and Breaker will be on KP duty for a month, and all three women begin to laugh. Duke enters the control room and suggests that he should use the machine to create some discipline on the base. Scarlet agrees. However, she tells him that discipline shouldn't be a problem with Cobra back and adds that Duke can have the machine after she makes a few minor repairs. Scarlet then picks up a chainsaw and cuts into the control panel. Footloose and his teammates are freed from the machine's controls and realize that they are at a, at a concert. Polly then demands, we want music. The crowd then begins to shout the demand repeatedly, and Duke tells the Joes that it looks like they uh, can go home. But Rock and Roll tells Duke that they, uh, that just sending the audience home isn't really, a fa- isn't really fair since they did pay f- uh, to see a concert. Duke turns to Rock and Roll and asks him, are you thinking what, what am I thinking what you're thinking? Breaker slips through the drapes on the stage and introduces the greatest rock and rollers in the land, the average Joe band with Duke Footloose and rock and roll on guitars, Shipwreck on drums, Breaker on keyboards, and CoverGirl Scarlet Lady J as the backup singers. The Joes perform a rock, uh, pop rock version of the opening theme song heard at the beginning of the show. Thus ends the episode. Don't all start talking at once. (laughs) (laughs) This would be the classic episode. (laughs) I was surprised how little Cold Slither actually, the song is actually. (laughs) I remember it being just plastered constantly throughout this episode as a kid. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't even show up like halfway through. Yeah. You know, and it's like. You hear it twice in the whole episode, I think. Yeah. It's it's a handful of times. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, all right. (laughs) I, th- I, I thought it was I thought it was funny too that Cobra Commander is trying to get the money from adults because your kids are there but then right. when everybody gets deprogrammed it's almost all adults standing around right <laughs> and not and not like you know not just Joe adult like like older people like right. the way they're drawn like <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, we should have seen more of the average Joe band over the years because that was pretty damn cool that was fun that was a that fun was funny one. yeah no, I would definitely agree with you, uh, Grub. I think this is a classic episode. This is one of the ones where it's like, okay, if you can handle some silliness of G.I. Joe, you really need to watch the Colt Slither episode. Like, put this, I put this one in with like the Viper stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, the Viper is coming. Yeah. 575. The, the, yes. Uh, Snake Eyes dressed as Boy George, like all those episodes that <laughs> they, they go together in one group. I always, I have this weird memory, and I know it's wrong, of, I thought for the longest time that the boy George snake eyes was this episode. Oh yeah. But there was a, I mean, there was a time I, I thought that too. Yeah. But then I saw the episode that it was in, I don't know, five or six years ago. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's not the yeah. same. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember what the other one was about beyond they were in boy George gear. Yeah. But well, and then I have the, uh, the homage cover to this episode. I think, I think it was a real American hero episode, but they had, it was like, it also had Gem on there. So it was like, it was mm. called Slither and Gem on a cover. Um, and I think it was just sold at um, the JoeCon the one year. Um, there may have been other ways to get it, but I remember that was the one main way to get it was was the one that was in Springfield. So I feel like uh, that's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John, the, episode, the episode's fun, but it's, there's not really, it's surprising how little there is to it. There's not, yeah, there's not a lot 
not as much depth to this one. So, John, what were your financial issues with this one? <laughs> well, so two hundred million then was probably seven hundred million now, something like that. Right. So he owed them two hundred million. They were a global network that had fairly sophisticated technology, thousands of employees. If you know, if not hundreds of thousands of employees globally. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand if he only owed them 200 mil and then they were trying to sell the, the base. I just, the finances made no sense. He, <laughs> he, and he stole, he, he stole a million from Stinky to go make a record. To, right. To, yeah, how much did he make off that record? Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently they did okay because it was number one in a week or whatever. Yeah, just, right. I, like I just had the, the finance, like the numbers. It, and then to say, I want a hundred billion for your kids. Right. When he only owed he only owed extensive enterprises two hundred mil, like the numbers just don't add up. Well, he's got to keep going after that. <laughs> I mean, shit is whatever. Whether you like Elon Musk or not, he could alone have paid that fucking uh, <laughs> <laughs> that ransom. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Phoenix Suns are getting ready to get bought by for four billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's right. a basketball team for crying out loud. Right. So, uh, so yeah, they must have done well enough though from whatever they did do because they were financially solvent into the next episodes. <laughs> they were in the black. <laughs> they had their organization back. So, no, it, it's a it was a fun episode. Uh, I think out of the three, I, I agree with you, Grub. I think the first one is probably the worst one out of all of them, just from a uh, <laughs> realism perspective. <laughs> terrible. It's a terrible episode. Um. But this last one, probably the least amount of depth to it <laughs> compared to the other two where there was at least some like social things going on with those. I mean, this one had some social things, but not, not to the level we saw in the other two episodes. Um, so yeah, I would, I like, I would say the, the invaders one was probably my favorite one. This one's next. And then, uh, the, um, wrong stuff one was my least favorite out of these three. You know, I wonder sometimes, I wonder if any of these writers, I'm sure at some point they've been interviewed somewhere about, like, who the hell came up with this as an idea? Yeah. You know, or like the wrong stuff. Like, where did that idea come from? And what ideas were so bad that that guy they said no. (laughs) They said no. I'm I'm fascinated by that sometimes where it's like, or I was wanna... it just that we're just pumping this shit out so fast? And yeah. okay, that's this what is, it was. That's is, what it is, was. You know, we're just pumping it out so fast, and there's and this doesn't offend anything other than science. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's. I think it's Flint. Uh, not well. Uh, Flint Dilly's talked about it a bit, and so has. Uh, um, oh gosh, Dixon. Yeah, not Chuck. The other Dixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one that wrote comics and not, or one Chuck, that wrote that, cartoons. And, yeah, not Chuck Dixon wrote GI the comic, but the, the okay. there's another Dix in there. Oh, there's two it, different people. I thought there's somebody else named. I thought it was the same one. I thought it was the same person. Or maybe somebody. Just the same some, name. I I don't. I, I well, I think I've read somebody over the years. It might have been Flint Dilly. I've read talk about, but I think yeah, it was a it was a machine. They were just cranking the stuff out yeah. so quick. And I think if it, as long as it got through the censorship and stuff and everything educational you know review yeah to, you know to, to, yeah 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 the uh yeah make sure it had some redeeming quality because you know heaven forbid we we're all going to go out and buy whatever they advertise to your point right. Right, we never saw aliens or not till later you got the star you know the 
Star Battle stuff later, but Star Brigade. Star Brigade, thank you. Yeah. Oh, and the, the Defiant and all that, which Yeah. I mean, when did um Pyramid of Darkness did that come out before that that mini series? Did that come out before these or did that come out after these? No, Pyramid of Darkness before. before, yeah. Okay, so then they already had access to the to the Defiant and probably some sort of Astro Viper that I'm sure existed. I'd with the 800,000 Viper types that exist. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows, whatever. Maybe they just... It would be interesting, I think, to see if they tried to do a cartoon like this again in this... St- I, don't, I don't mean like... I mean, yes, clearly they've tried with Renegades sure. and all these other things, but just this less serious, more campy type of show... What what kind of episodes would be written now? Yeah, versus then. Yeah, you know yeah, how much, it, how much it, better it, the writers now. You know, in general. Yeah, it'd be interesting too if they tried doing a, a Joe cartoon that was was geared towards kids again, um, versus like trying to appease us old guys. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. And and to your point too, like who would they get writing it? I don't. I'm sure I mean, they could find somebody. Oh, I'm sure they could find someone, but I'm just curious, like if like who would we, you know, who would who would be a good fit for that, especially if you were looking from the similar type of pool that they did back then where you're looking at comic writers and stuff. So it'd be interesting. I'd love to see a Scotty Young G.I. Joe episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pretty good writer, so I'm, I'm curious what he'd come up with. So um but yeah, so those are the those are the episodes. Uh, any last thoughts at all when it came comes to those? It was an enjoyable hour out of my life. Yeah, even even with the first one not being great, they were entertaining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what was what was the quote I said to you? Boy, this is an interesting batch of, of yes. episodes. Yes. <laughs> and it, you know, it was an interesting batch. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed all three of them. Like you said, even with the first one not being that great, I still enjoyed it. I still had a good time watching it. So, um, and I think if if I counted it up right, there's only like six or seven episodes left to complete the entire season. And then so. we get to go into Dick, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> even the funny part is with the DIC, the DIC series, all the only episodes I can remember at all were the original like mini series with Scoop. That's yeah. it. I don't know if I've seen any of the DIC series beyond that, but I I could swear I have to. I know I've watched them as a kid. I have not watched them as an adult. Well, I have yes. I have them on DVD, but I have not watched them. So it was whatever GI Joe episode was on when I was eating breakfast before sure. going to school. Sure, <laughs> or after school. Yeah, I'm, I'll take a look to see like how many. I, I'm sure there's still quite a few episodes, but I'll look to see how many episodes are left uh, before we get to the Deke stuff. Um, cause if there's not too many, I would love to kind of wrap those up, uh, before the show goes away, but we'll see, we'll see how many, like I said, I know at least for season one or what they designated as season one, there's still like six or seven more episodes to get through. So, um, and then there, and then the movie happened somewhere during season two. Um, and then the Deke stuff happened after that. So the movie happened after season two. After season, season two, two. Okay. season one was 85 season two was 86 and the movie was 87 okay did it say how many episodes are in season two uh, so i'm trying to scroll down and um <laughs> be like 74 more episodes <laughs> see, uh, 
There were a total of 95 episodes. Oh, we've gotten through quite a few of them already. Um, season two had 30 episodes. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. What of we which do. season two, five of those are pyramids. Uh, yeah. And I'd actually like to cover those episodes, even if we're not doing a play by play with those. I'd like to cover all five of those in one episode. But they said we don't have to do a play by play with them. But I, I remember loving that series that that arc was a kid so looking at this there are four episodes left in season one okay the last two are the springfield two-parter with okay uh, shipwreck okay so maybe i was looking at seven before these episodes were done so uh that may have been the case so oh my gosh the october guards show up in the next episode oh do they ah. yeah yeah okay. okay okay so they were in two episodes at least there you go all righty very nice. <laughs> well, when we record next December, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you jackass. <laughs> All right, my friends. Uh, so, John, do you want to plug your HR one more time? No, uh, no? it's done. Uh, you, you can find it out there in the ether, but you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Thurmond. I'm going to be there till the thing falls down. So, okay, <laughs> find me there. There you go. How about you, Grub? Where can people find you? Facebook. Okay. That's about it. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't really, I've never really done Twitter, so. Yeah. And uh, that I want to know if I want to do that right now anyway, without right. how that seems to be going. Right. So, uh, Star Joe's, you can find us uh, at starjoes.com. Uh, I think I am going to be keeping the domain name even after the show is over. Uh, it's not expensive to keep the domain name in case I ever want to do something again in the future with it. Uh, I'll probably keep it. Uh, and then, uh, but starjoes.com is where you can find episodes to listen to right from the website. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram. There's a group page, uh, which is a private page. So you do have to ask to be part of it. Uh, but we, once I see that you're a real person, I will approve you. Um, we've had some instances recently of people like posting things that I was like, okay, no. <laughs> so just be mindful of what you're posting. I understand like it's a, it's a bunch of adults in the group, but still be mindful of what you're posting. Um, overall people post a lot of fun stuff to talk about and, and to see. So I appreciate that very much. Uh, the fan page is where you can find just ridiculous funny memes or cool pictures. I think we have like about 14,000 people that follow the fan page, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, uh, Instagram, I started posting just comic reviews again. So every time I'm reading a comic, I post a review on it on Instagram. It's just a quick, short blurb. Uh, so you can check that out. And then my own personal project with Stealth Hammer, you can go to stealthhammer.com, uh, nice and simple. And that's the website. You can sign up for the newsletter there. You can, uh, contact the, uh, us directly about the comic through there. Uh, you can check out the origin. There's stuff about the characters. And as I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a lot more stuff that we add in 2023 to just kind of have fun and explore. So with that, uh, John, if you want to do the closing with me, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. 